All right, so you obviously heard the show before. You know, I kind of host and just kind of let the other people talk and then jump in. Uh, don't worry about that. That's my child. <laughs> uh, I'll just go ahead and turn that off. There you go. All right. Turn the baby off? What? <laughs> yes. Um, it's actually the neighbor's kids. Troy's very creepy that way. I'm very, very creepy. <laughs> I, I installed cameras all throughout their house. Dave song! Ladies and gentlemen, we are Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the evening. Please welcome your host for today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. And Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? Look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick. You work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for... The Rundown. Ladies and gentlemen, it is The Rundown, episode 360. Uh, that episode number is correct. Uh, I think I screwed up Jason last week because he went with my numbering system, which was 10 behind what we actually were at. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, since it is episode 360, and this is, of course, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, an intentionally offensive wrestling podcast, we needed a full 360 on this week's episode. So not only am I here, your host, Troy, Jason is here. It's a tri- it's a tripod. That's right. It is a tripod because we have the first time ever. Welcome to the show, Jeff Mayhew. Hey, what's up, guys? Not so for, for a little backstory for those who uh, haven't followed the last couple of weeks, Jeff's been a listener of the rundown. Hit us up. And uh, as usual, we're always very welcoming and open. Not really, but in this case, we were. Uh, and we offered to let uh, Jeff join us. He told us he was going to be attending TakeOver Live, and we figured the input from the live experience would be incredibly valuable. So let that be a lesson to you. If you email the show, there's a good chance you're going to host this bitch. Yeah, that remains to be seen if it's helpful or not. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, most people will. Uh, well, some of our fans may that are longtime listeners may remember that I actually joined the show way back when by being a fan, by contributing to the podcast um, before they they just gave the show to me. So <laughs> again, you know, Jeff may be your full time host in a year from time. Yeah, we, we, uh, we may just quit and go, <laughs> Jeff, it's yours, and not tell you. So yeah, exactly. That's how Adam does it. So. Uh, well, for for well, uh, at least another year, I'm I'm committed to the show. We'll see what happens after that, because then then it's renewal time again, and eh, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we had a big weekend. Of course, we had two big gigantic events uh, in the WWE world. We had NXT Takeover Brooklyn number four, and we had SummerSlam. So, uh, before we get into match by match breakdown, um, and before you kind of give us um, the, the live events from each one of the matches. Uh, Jeff, what was the, the feeling going into TakeOver, and, and how was the crowd before the event actually took place? Well, this is uh, my third time actually going to TakeOver, and every year it seems to, it seems to get bigger, even though almost every time it's sold out. 
Uh, but going there, walking up to the Barclays Center, it's like everybody is in full NXT mode. They're all chanting loudly. They all have their costumes on. A um, couple funny chants. I mean, Adam Cole is ridiculously over. Adam Cole, Adam Cole, Bebe chants everywhere. Um, one of the funny ones was Adam uh, Michael Cole, Bebe. That was a pretty funny <laughs> chant that we heard. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there was guys who were doing impersonations of Ric Flair because you know he was at NXT and um, other various wrestlers. I mean, it was pretty insane going there. I was really pumped up going there, but once I got there, it made me even that much more excited to get in there and start watching some matches. Now, are you sure it wasn't just dudes doing a Charlotte Flair impression? <laughs> no, that's actually more likely. You're right. Yeah, that was probably what it was. I see the error of my ways. <laughs> Actually, one thing, since you were there, that I can ask you. I noticed during the broadcast, they kept having moments where the crowd would get really loud, but they were clearly looking out into the crowd at something else and not into the ring. Was there, like, a fuck ton of fights going on, or what was that about? Not by me, but I know what kept happening was, uh, and I'll get into this later more, but the, tel- the the screens they have around the arena to kind of show the matches for people up higher yep. kept going out. Oh, okay. And people started chanting, put the screens back on and stuff like that. Oh. So people, yeah, and a lot of people were chanting some pretty uh, not nice things. Okay. And other fans were getting on them for that. So nice. that was kind of cool to see. Nice. Did you get a chance to shake Randy Orton's hand? <laughs> oh, believe me, I would have licked my hand and shaked it <laughs> if I could have. Actually, did you catch that sign on Raw? Somebody had a sign that said, I shook Randy Orton's hand with frowning emojis. I, I that saw that. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> oh, boy. So, all right, so it sounds like you had, had a, a, a great time there, huh? Yeah, it was a really, really good experience. Um, I mean... It's always awesome because you get the taping beforehand too, so that's that's a really cool. I mean, it's not. I guess it's not really dark matches, but I always consider them dark matches. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't that's watched it yet, so no spoilers on that. <laughs> I will try not to. <laughs> right on. A good a, a, one thing is one of the people in the the new NXT uh, show uh, actually went to my high school, so that was kind of cool. Oh, nice. One of the wrestlers. Yeah. Nice. Do you, do you want me to spoil that? I won't spoil that. No, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, Diana Peraza. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I've worked with Diana yeah. a few times. Out here. Yeah, yeah. She went to my school, so that was pretty cool. Nice. How many teachers was she banging when uh, she was in your school? Oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> she. Uh, well, she was a freshman when I was a senior. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of old too. But um, yeah. Three. Probably. All right. All right. Okay, we got. Good, good. Glad we got that out of the way. All right. So let's uh, let's go ahead and recap. Uh, uh, take over Brooklyn first. Uh, we'll start bottom to top on this list here. Why don't we just go in the match order? There's only five matches. You should be able to figure that out. I don't know what the match order was. The first match was the tag titles. Okay. We'll start with that then. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So the NXT Tag Team, tag team Championships were on the line as the uh, Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong took on Mustache Mountain, Tyler Bate, and Trent Seven. Every single one of us picked Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong to retain, and they did. Uh, so, Jason, what did you feel about this match? Uh, anytime you get these four in the ring at the same time, it's it's just awesome. I, this was no different. Um, I love the callbacks to their previous matches with the towel. Um, and he you know, threatened throwing it in and then sort of decided not to and threw it away to the crowd to a huge pop. Um, again, no surprise that the, the tag title stayed with, with the Undisputed Era. 
Um, and, and I sort of get the feeling Bait and Seven will be sort of the mainstays in the tag team division on the UK brand uh, of NXT. But hopefully they stick around in the main version of NXT too, because I just love watching these guys. Um, and I still think Trent Seven looks like the creepy uncle that hangs around the pool with no shirt on, checking out the hot <laughs> young chicks. <laughs> it could be, man. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, and Jeff, Jeff, what was the uh, the reaction to the match live? Oh, I mean, Undisputed Era is just ridiculously over. Um, it might be because they were the first match of the night, but I, I think that was probably the loudest pop when their music came on. Um, everybody exploded. And even... Trent Seven and Tyler Bate are crazy over too, and I was saying there was a lot of sweaty abs in this match, and then there was Trent Seven. So, I <laughs> <laughs> see, and, and and again, and I've talked about it on the show before, but Tyler Bate reiterates my biggest pet peeve with wrestlers: when dudes don't wear knee pads, it looks creepy. It's just dudes in underwear at that point. It's always been kind of a weird thing. Uh, we always had that issue with Cesaro too, when he had those weird little like Titus for the longest time. Very true. <laughs> All right. So uh, unless we got something else to talk about with that match, we can move right along uh, to the second match on the card. The Velveteen Dream uh, actually beat somebody, and it was EC3. Now, Sal was the only person who chose EC3 in this one. The rest of us correctly chose Velveteen Dream. Uh, the biggest thing that I took away from this match, of course, was what Velveteen Dream was wearing. Awesome. Uh, Velveteen oh. Dream continues to steal uh, clothing from Rick O'Shea. Uh, he was wearing his crown this time. Oh no 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 no! no, Previous, no. Huh? No no! You missed you missed the reference then. I was getting to it. Okay, go ahead. Okay. It, it wasn't it wasn't with Ricochet, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Velveteen Dream also wearing trunks that on the ass said "Call me up, Vince." <laughs> so. <laughs> no no. no uh, but, okay, so then you clearly did miss the reference. I did. I did miss the reference. What, okay. what was the other reference? Um, the the jacket was inspired by a famous sweater that. The notorious B.I.G., who's obviously huge in Brooklyn, uh, it was photographed in a lot. And there's a very famous photo of Biggie with a crown, the same crown on that oh. uh, Dream was wearing. So he was. It was a throwback and a, and a shout out to notorious B.I.G. His whole gimmick that night. Wow. I mean, this is this is a guy who wore Ricochet's pants the last time that they faced each other. Then was wearing his Prince Puma crown, and obviously, I didn't I didn't pick up on the notorious B.I.G. thing, but. Velveteen Dream just continues to to just blow me away with the level of detail he's got. It's it's very similar to the New Day, how how much their wrestling attire is always kind of referencing something um, and and telling a story on its own. There, um, this match I thought was re- was was pretty good. EC3 walked out of it with his fucking face destroyed. <laughs> um, Jeff, what uh, what was your reaction to this match? Uh, it was a really good match. Uh, once again, well, I mean, both these guys are had a lot of cheers a lot um even ec3 i was a little surprised by the amount he got i don't know why i was surprised but um velveteen dreams entrance first of all with the way he came out of the ground with the smoke was really awesome um almost in a way though i would say uh that might have kind of given it away who would win because of the amount of effort that came to his entrance and then ec3's just regular entrance was kind of uh interesting but the match itself was really pretty good i I would say it was kind of tough to follow that tag match even though you're velveteen dream um but it was it was a solid match the elbow drop on the apron was pretty brutal yeah and and of course that would be overdone later in the weekend but we'll get into that later (laughs) um 
But yeah, the, the thing to me going into this match, I was sort of interested to see how it would play out because EC3 to me is not your prototypical NXT style super indie wrestler. Um, he's much more of a main roster style of in-ring performer. Um, the slower, more methodical, you know, ground-based offense. He's not going to do flashy, flippy shit. Um, but his persona, his personality is so great that he fits in pretty much anywhere. Uh, his mic skills are off the chart. Um, but I thought he really brought it from an in-ring perspective. I thought he matched Dream um, almost move for move in this one and really had the crowd. They had the crowd eating out of the palm of their hands. I thought this was great. Um, Dream is just obviously on another level. In ter- like You could call him up tomorrow. And I'm sure Vince would ruin him. But um, but no, you, you could call him up tomorrow. He'd be a dynamic star on the main roster, too. Yeah, he would most likely be uh, our truth's new tag team partner. <clears throat> <laughs> All right. So um, what I actually consider to be match of the night came next. The NXT North American Championship was on the line as Adam Colbebe took on Rick O'Shea with Rick O'Shea winning and being the new North American champion. Uh, yeah. Me, Adam, yeah. and Sal all picked Ricochet. You and Jeff, or J- Jason and Jeff, picked Adam Cole Bebe. Now, before we get into this match, I just want to give a shout out to. Uh, I was watching last week's episode of Lucha Underground, and they had a black guy playing a priest, Father Rick O'Shea. So I yeah. think they're listening to the fucking show, Troy. <laughs> they they stole your joke. <clears throat> that's okay. Uh, I guess shout out to Conan, maybe, maybe. I hate you, but that's fine. If you're listening, that's that's great. I love you. Uh, I haven't checked our, our listeners in Mexico yet to see uh, exactly who it was. But, yeah, to, clearly somebody uh, is is definitely uh, picking up on my genius. So, <laughs> um, uh, now, but I don't think you're alone in saying this was match of the night. I think lots of people have this as match of the night. This was just next level off the chart stuff. And I think we all sort of expected that going into it, that this this had the potential to be the, the show stealer, if you will. Um, Adam Cole... Look, if you listen to the show, you know I am the biggest Shawn Michaels mark in the history of the world. Um, but he gets those comparisons all the time. And, uh, you know, dude, it's hard at this point to say it's not an apt comparison because Adam Cole, the personality, the in-ring, Ooh. everything he can do uh, is just so fluid, so real, so so charismatic. It just reminds you, everything he does reminds you of Shawn Michaels. Um the false finish with that last call, and, and uh, oh, I forget what the, the precursor to it was, but where it looked like Cole had it, they, I, they, I bit on that false finish. I thought that was great. Obviously, the move of the night, I think, that everybody talked about, the ricochet with the moonsault right into the upside-down super kick. Um, and prior to that, they sort of rekindled the Shelton Benjamin springboard into the super kick, Ricochet catches it, then they come back for the moonsault upside down super kick. Fucking phenomenal. Uh, this was this was Ricochet on display. This was go out and do everything you can do. Fucking leave it all out there. Uh, I was a little surprised they put the title on Ricochet that they took it off Adam Cole already, um, especially given what happened later in the night where there's not really a spot for a top heel chase. Um, but you know, I think maybe they're going to continue this feud. On to the next thing. I assume Undisputed Era will be involved in war games somehow. Um, but I, honestly, I, there's not a bad thing to say about this match, except uh, it's amazing Ricochet hasn't killed himself yet. Yeah, and uh, and Jeff, I got to ask you. Uh, obviously, you know we've talked about Adam Cole's entrance before with his uh, boom. How loud did it get in that arena when everyone sang along to his theme song? 
No? I think we lost Jeff. Ah, shit. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> Jason will diligently try to get him back. <laughs> um, it was it was so loud it knocked him out of our recording. Yeah, apparently. Or he just quit on us. One of those two. That didn't take long. <laughs> we scare people away a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Both in public and in recording. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, this this match, um, we'll we'll kind of talk about what uh, what the future holds for the you know for for Cole and for the the World Heavyweight Championship uh, in in the, well not even heavyweight but in the future there. Um, but yeah, do we have Senior Mayu back? I believe I am back. There he is. All right, <laughs> all right. So I was asking uh, asking you. Uh, Adam Cole's entrance with the with the boom. How how loud does it get in that arena with everyone singing along to that? That's insane. Um, the, I had totally. It's funny going there. I had totally forgot about the boom, and it actually startled me the first time <laughs> it happened. And then uh, that was during the tag match. And then the, when Adam Cole came out and I did it again, it scared me again because I wasn't ready for it. I don't know why, but it's it's insanely loud. And uh, during the match when Adam Cole did his uh, little baby thing, it actually startled the crowd. I don't think the crowd was ready for it, and they were kind of <laughs> off off timing with it. So that was pretty funny too. Nice. And the uh, and the match in general. Oh, the match was uh, like you guys said, uh, or what I heard you guys say. Uh, it was pretty much match of the night. Um, I mean, this and the tag match, I, I think, were really, really, really solid. Uh, this probably gets an edge up because the crowd was just really really into it and these guys tore the house down i mean the backflip super kick was just unbelievable that gift's just going viral online he kicks him he actually kicked him right in the neck perfectly (laughs) but yeah no it was amazing ricochet definitely deserves the win after this he's really done amazing since he came to nxt which sort of begs the question now where you go with Ricochet in the North American title for the next takeover. Maybe EC3 is the next guy, or, or I don't think we go back to Velveteen Dream yet. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> very much so. Uh, the next match, the NXT Women's Championship was on the line as Shayna Baszler took on Pirate Hooker Kyrie <laughs> Sane. Uh, Adam and Jeffrey both picked Kyrie Sane and were correct because Kyrie Sane is your new NXT Women's Champion. So this wasn't match of the night, but it might for me have been the finish of the night. I thought the way they did the transition of uh, Shayna blocking the the insane elbow right into the the Karafuda clutch uh, was outstanding. My only caveat is I fuck it. I I understand why they do it, but this this like I've got you in a hold, you roll over and pin me makes the person seem really fucking dumb. It's like, just let go of the hold and you're still in the match. Uh, Shayna Baszler essentially pinned herself to lose her title. Um, It's one thing if you get like the double German suplex with the bridge and, you know, you know, you think you're pinning the other guy, but your shoulders are down. At least then there's some something there. But in this move, you know, it's you getting pinned. And anyway, just a pet peeve of mine. But. I love the transition to it. I thought it was great. Uh, I still don't get the Kyrie Sane thing. I it just it I I may be in the minority on this. I don't know. I, maybe a lot of people love her. I I don't get the appeal. Um, the pirate thing just really throws me off. It just seems very sort of eighties um, hokey 
stuff and then the weird dancing she does and all that stuff. Uh, I guess I'm curious to see where we go from here because to me the money match was Baszler and, and Candice LeRae uh, for Evolution for the title. Uh, I don't know where they're going now. All Asians all the time. It's going to be Kyrie Sane versus Asuka. Uh, Io Shirai. Oh, yeah, her, uh, yeah, her too. <clears throat> Uh, well, no, she's she's already. Anyways, Sal hasn't read it yet, Troy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a oh, Sal sorry, specifically asked for no spoilers. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But then I gave him spoilers anyways. <laughs> <laughs> As you are wont to do. Yep. Jeff, what do you think of the match? Um, awesome. And uh, well, I know I know you, Jason. You're not a huge fan of Kyra Sane, but I know you're a big fan of the sliding D. So, uh, oh, my wife <laughs> is. <laughs> oh. um, but no, this match was awesome. The finish was really surprising. Just the way she tried to grab the Kirifuda clutch, or however you pronounce that weird ass fucking move, and uh, was cockily, wa- cock, cockily, cockily. Is that a word? The I guess sliding so. cock. The sliding <laughs> she she was really cocky the way she walked her over to put it put her in the finisher, and just to get rolled over and pinned like that it was really awesome really un- surprising finish yeah. and the crowd went nuts for it, and after the match, uh, uh, Shayna Baszler even had an interview where she's like, I didn't get beat by Kyrie I lost there's a difference which yeah. you're to your point. Yeah no I thought that was good and I particularly loved the the spot where she hit the insane elbow and. You know, got the near fall and then chin. It was first person to ever kick out of the insane elbow. And Morrow did a great job of putting it over. Uh, it was it was put together really well. Yeah. So twenty minutes in, and Jason's already got his episode title. So that's good. Uh, <laughs> is it? Well, we'll see if something else comes along. But Cockley is definitely the uh, the winner <laughs> in my book so far. Um, yeah, I, I, the big appeal, obviously, for me with Kyrie Sane, uh, even her time as Kyrie Hojo, uh, was her wrestling ability. Uh, this whole pirate hooker thing is... is I want to stay to the Hojos. There you go. <clears throat> uh, the whole pirate hooker thing is an NXT invention. No, it's uh, not. She really, well... She did that in stardom. She did the pirate she, gimmick. She did, did to an extent. This She's gone, like, full fucking pirate hooker. See, if you time. saw her in the Lucha Underground, she was part of the Black Lotus group... That was that was her shit right there. She was like full leather bodysuit, fucking mm-hmm. Asian hit woman. That was the shit she should be doing. She was great yeah. in that role. Yeah, but instead, pirate hooker. So <laughs> because uh, but, yeah. because revolution. Because yeah, because hashtag women's revolution hashtag pirate hooker. Uh, <laughs> uh, so then the 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 final match of the night, which I think a lot of us going into this were thinking this was going to be match of the night, and we're kind of surprised. Uh, in general, but uh, thanks to Alistair Black's injury, we got uh, Tomas Ochampa versus Johnny Gargano for the NXT Championship, and Tomas Ochampa winds up retaining uh, thanks to Johnny, Gar- Johnny Gargano being retarded. Uh, so me and Jason both got this one wrong. Uh, everyone else p- picked Tomas Ochampa. Jeff, what did you think of this match and the crowd reaction to it? Uh, well, when Ciampa came in, the boos were deafening, as usual, and he soaked it up as usual, in the most beautiful way possible. Um, Ciampa just continues to solidify why he might be the best heel in all of wrestling at this point. Um, the match was really good, as usual, but I think it might be my least favorite of the trilogy. Maybe. Might be going out on a limb to say that, but I think it might be my least favorite. Um, it's also the, like the third 
kind of the same match except with just the last man standing added onto it. But um, one interesting note, uh, when Ciampa pulled out the little snips and started cutting the ring open, he kind of just left the toolbox under the table there. And I remember Ed, when they had those, like, almost falling through the table spots, me and uh, the guys I, the guys I was with were just like, what about the toolbox? Somebody going to fall in that toolbox? <laughs> I don't want anybody to fall in the toolbox. And I would, like, cheer, and I'd be like, the toolbox, don't move it out of the way. <laughs> but, um, uh, I guess what I, I heard that I guess Johnny had gotten injured during the match or something. That's why they had changed that, or is that kayfabe? Uh, so... Triple H tried to put it over as a shoot that he was actually injured and that that was the, sort of not the planned finish. Uh, from everything I've heard since, that was sort of kayfabe, that that was, in fact, the actual finish and that Johnny is fine. Okay. So. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the finish was perfectly suitable for Ciampa to win that way. I mean, how, how heelish is it for him to just kind of, like, roll over and stand up to beat right. the 10 count? Yeah, and, and so... I, I want to agree with you, Jeff. I, to me, this was the the third of the three matches. Um, I, I didn't, in part, because I think it was just so much of the same stuff. You know, the exposing of the boards and the DDTs and the reversals and the, um, it was just a lot of the same thing. Originally, I was a little skeptical about it when they said this was going to be a triple threat um, because I wasn't sure I was sort of interested in seeing these three in, in a triple threat match. Um, in retrospect. I sort of wish maybe Alistair Black had been there to provide a little separation between these two. I think the third time, third consecutive takeover, this one definitely lost a little bit of steam for me. Um, like I said, because it's just something we've seen so much of, and it's hard for them to continuously um, redo it. And, and every time has pretty much been sort of similar street fight rules. Um, so there hasn't been much differential between the three, if that makes sense. Um but honestly, I mean, obviously the guys are great. They work their asses off. Um, one little thing we, we talked about Velveteen Dreams wardrobe, and I don't know how much you guys caught this. Um, being a fan of sort of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I am, um, Johnny Gargano came out with sort of the color motif of Spider-Man, but had little bits of the Venom uh, colors kind of overtaking the outfit, which I thought was a great sort of microcosm of the story that they're telling, where Johnny was the, the clear-cut, clean white bread baby face good guy and the more he interacts with Tommaso the more he starts to turn to the dark side if you will um, and, and obviously that played right into the finish where you know Johnny could have won the match but his obsession with Tommaso uh, cost him his opportunity to be the NXT champion my only real problem with this and I think we've touched on it in the past is that they've sort of lost that that big triumphant baby face moment for Johnny Gargano by telling the story the way they've told it if, if Johnny Gargano captures that title, it's no longer Daniel Bryan winning at WrestleMania 30, that feel-good, babyface, overcomes-all-odds kind of thing, because now he's sort of become a bit of a heel himself in this feud. Uh, so I think they've sort of missed an opportunity there with this. Yeah, just I think back to, uh, to Sami Zayn winning the NXT Championship and the kind of moment that that was for him. Yeah, absolutely. Great <clears throat> comparison. Know? Yep. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, there's a reason why most movie trilogies, normally by the third movie, you're just kind of like, okay, maybe we didn't need three movies for this. Um, and I think the match also suffered with the, with the lateness of which Aleister Black was pulled out of the match, too, mm. uh, because then I think a lot of the things that they were working on, a lot of the ideas that they had, they couldn't do anymore. 
uh, then had to kind of quickly scramble as as well. And honestly, how how much more can you do, you know, with the storyline when you, you like you said you have the third straight match for these guys to guys together. Right, and pulling out late is always dangerous. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did want to say the uh, my, it might have had one of my favorite spots of the whole trilogy though, where um, Champa literally buried Johnny Gargano under the barricades and threw the guy that oh. got knocked out on top of him. <laughs> but even above that, those fu- when he was heaving those chairs on top of Johnny, I'm like, holy shit, that's gotta hurt. Jesus, there's no way to fucking work that. That's that's yeah. a shoot. Yeah, that was that was awesome. I I loved that spot so much. It, it was just funny the way he picked the guy up who was dead. He was literally like a dead fish, and he just picked him up by the belt buckle and like put him on top. Yeah, it was really funny. No, there, there's literally no better heel in wrestling at the moment than Tommaso Ciampa. Um, the guy's totally bought in, totally committed to to the character, and and that's outstanding. Again, we get into the. I, I assume the knee thing is sort of being done to keep Johnny away for a while. To sort of when he returns, you'll have that big sort of shocking return where he sort of like Tommaso did to him in this Almas match um, is, but in reverse, I'm a little curious where you go with Tommaso. I mean, Alistair doesn't sound like he's going to be ready to go for a while. So I guess, where do you go with Tommaso now? Um, You know, obviously you've, you've tied up the North American title on Ricochet now. So that would be the next obvious logical sort of guy. Um, But I'm curious to see where they go now. I mean, they gave us, like, the tag team division, they gave us a clear next team. I mean, War Machine came out and just obliterated Undisputed Era. Um, I imagine War Machine, maybe War Machine and Mustache Mountain versus Undisputed Era with Bobby Fish coming back. That's four on four. Maybe that's your War Games matchup. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, Obviously, you still got uh, um, uh, Cassius Fatass hanging around there that could probably be brought up. Uh, yeah, but he's doing a heel uh, turn now on the show. They're sort of yeah, slowly well, transitioning yeah. him to a heel. So Yeah. And uh, he's not Adam, main eventing a takeover, let's be honest. That's this true. Uh, Adam Colebaby is, is sort of a face, even though he's yeah. he's part of a heel faction because he's so over. Um, other maybe than maybe that, you go EC3. He is sort of a face in NXT. Maybe that's the guy. Yeah. Maybe you play off the popularity of Dream because he's sort of not – I mean – I don't know if Dream's really a heel at this point. He's so over with the crowd, and his tendencies aren't so much heel tendencies as they are just arrogant, sort of calls back to Shawn Michaels when he was sort of the cocky, arrogant guy, but still a face. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, We, you know, uh, I don't think, obviously we're not going to get Queef Lee yet uh, (laughs) because he's too new. Matt Riddle. Uh, There you go. Yeah. But you you do have some other options down there uh, that you get, of guys you can elevate, and you don't have to have them main evented. Uh, you know, if if you get a good enough challenger for for Pirate Hooker, you can have that main evented. Uh, if there's some other you know storyline, Ricochet definitely could be somebody that you could main event in place of the NXT Championship. So they they got options. Yeah, um, we so, did we didn't mention that uh, we did get the uh, as expected the on camera debut of Matt Riddle. Uh, Jeff, it seemed like a lot of the crowd started the bro chant right then and there, so they they were well aware of who this guy was in Brooklyn. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, everybody just started chanting bro. I, I was surprised, too, because I didn't know that everybody knew who he was there. But they did, 
and it was awesome because he was wearing his suit and he had flip flops on. <laughs> I saw that picture. That's just that's perfect, Matt Riddle. If you if you're not familiar, that's really all you need to know. But uh, what you should know is that this guy can fucking go in the ring. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun watching what they do with Matt Riddle down in the next day. I'm excited to see him too. I, I have seen a few of his matches, and I'm I'm pretty pumped to see him go. Uh, if you go to Major League Wrestling, they have a YouTube page where they put most of their shows on there. I believe there's the match between him and Shane Strickland for their championship, and it's fucking amazing. Like, go check it out and see what this guy's bringing to the table. Well, do. There you go. All right, anything else that we got to say to partake over before we go on to the shit show that was SummerSlam? Uh, no, I think we covered it. Uh, except for the graphics fuck-up, which blew... One of the major matches at Evolution, which I think is fucking hilarious, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Trump has a shirt now that you can buy out oh, does in he? the live shows. Yeah, it's not the one that everybody wants though. <laughs> it's not the black one. See, that fucking yeah, disappoints me. That was one of the great things about him was that he didn't sell. He refused to sell his merch. Yeah, it, it's it's not the black art shirt though. It, it literally just says Champa on it or something. It's it's really a plain T-shirt. Uh, well, that kind of kind of still builds into it too, so that works. All right, so uh, Sunday had big sh- shoes to fill uh, after following up TakeOver as WWE presented SummerSlam. Uh, so we start things off on the uh, Jack's Quick Lube autos, or kickoff show and the Cruiserweight Championship matches. Cedric Alexander took on Drew Gulak in a solid wet fart match. Sal, the only person that was wrong on this one, as Cedric Alexander retained. Uh, yep. I love Alexander. I'm a big fan of Alexander, and I think I've said on this show a lot of times um, that he he's definitely the right guy to sort of carry that belt. Uh, I said going into this, I didn't think this was the right matchup to showcase the two, the cruiserweight division, the 205 Live brand. Uh, this is a show where you have a lot of eyes on on your match, where maybe you don't typically get because they don't wrestle on Raw anymore. It's pretty much just the 205 Live uh, show. So this was your opportunity to put a match on there that would make people go, "Holy shit, I got to check these guys out." And I don't think Gulak was the right guy. His style doesn't sort of epitomize the 205 Live. Uh, brand. In fact, his whole gimmick is he wants to change 205 Live, so it's not the fast-paced, <laughs> exciting, high-flying brand. Um, I think they would have been much better off with Mustafa Ali or even Buddy Murphy in this spot with uh, Cedric. Uh, I think you got what you paid for. You got sort of a slower, uh, less uh, entertaining match, and the finish was really sloppy. Um, it, it really just didn't do any favors for the 205 Live brand. If you were a fan who is not familiar with the show, I don't think based on the strength of that match, you're tuning into it. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I, I was agreeing with you going into it, too. I don't think that that's the best matchup you could have had, and it really did show it because it was a very whatever match. In On 205 Live, they've been having amazing main events almost every week, or at least very enjoyable main events and this just wasn't that and but it's okay the feud's going to continue so we'll get into that fucking later <laughs> there we go i haven't watched this week's show so i'll have to i'll have to defer to you on that one well even even uh you know the way he won the match yeah. you know the feud will probably where, continue where, where he missed the roll up and then drew rolled over into the pin himself yeah uh. yep <laughs> <laughs> That'll happen. That'll happen. Uh, and another match that was absolutely nothing. Andrade Cien Almas and Zelina Vega 
wind up beating Rusev and Lana. <clears throat> uh, me and Jason thought Rusev and Lana were going to get this win. We were wrong. And instead, it was Almas and Vega. In my defense, they pretty much had the match I anticipated them having on SmackDown. So I, I was sort of right. I just picked the wrong date. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, Jeff. <laughs> it was an okay match. Uh, Lana looked better than, you know, maybe she has in the past, maybe. That's all I can really say. Maybe. I, I, I find this a little strange because given, and we'll get into it more when we talk SmackDown later, but given what they had on tap for major characters on SmackDown, the fact that they sort of threw this nothing mixed tag match both on SummerSlam and then again on SmackDown sort of surprises yeah. me. It seems to, a very strange juxtaposition to put this mixed tag in the same class as the one that you're planning for Hell in a Cell. Um, but, you know, it was what it was. It just, to me, I, I think there are much better ways to sh- showcase both Rusev and Andrade Cien Almas. Um, I, I guess they got on the show, so that's better than a lot of guys who should have been on the show. Um, but it was what it was. Like Jeff said, it was sort of just there. Um, but, uh, I, you know, anytime I get to see Zelina with the bare midriff, I'm good. Uh, and those hips. Yes. Um, and I wouldn't quite I wouldn't quite say they were on the show. They weren't on the show proper. They were still on the kickoff show. They still get the they still get the payday. That's true. Um, all right, so moving right along to the last match that we had on the kickoff show. The B team wind up wound up retaining because fuck the revival. Uh, and yet again another uh, lucky finish for them. So here's where wrestling fans can be assholes and still be right at the same time because for years on this show we have clamored for them to do something with bo dallas and curtis axel um back to when they were running the fucking hoe train with with the wife beater there um we've been all over them to give these guys something and they've given them something and I'm watching it, and I'm like, why the fuck do these guys have the title? <laughs> um, it's just, the Revival is just clearly the tag team you need to build this division around. Watching it, you can look at them and say, that's the fucking team that should be your tag team champions. Unfortunately, Vince hates tag team wrestling, and as we'll discuss later, if Vince doesn't like it, it doesn't fucking matter what anyone else thinks. It's a joke to him. These tag belts have been a joke for a long time. The tag division on both brands has been treated like a joke. As we sit here and look at who's held these titles and who hasn't, um, as we look at how they treated American Alpha, as we look at how they're treating Authors of Pain, as we look at how they treat the Revival, it's clear that if you're a talented tag team and you're not fucking funny, you can't get a push in this company. That's true. Jeff, comments on the match? Uh... I guess it was. Uh, I guess. Well, I agree with Jason mostly. I, I, I like the B team, and I really don't like them as the champs. Um, exactly. That's they, the thing. Like they're fine as comic relief. Um, yeah. They're, they're certainly better than your your Titmouse Worldwide group there. Um, but <laughs> but as champions, it just makes your belts look like they don't mean anything. Yeah. And is it just me, or is it like? I know they're very serviceable workers, but since they've been, you know, showcased so much, are they are they as good as we thought? I, I mean, I was never as big a fan of Bo as I am of Axel, but right, um, you know, I think that sort of plays out at least for me. It just came across really sluggish. I don't know why. 
Yeah, I to me, um, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that their their style of wrestling is not a like flashy or flamboyant style. They're they're both good hands, but they're not ones that you know. There, there's a reason why Curtis Axel is in the position he is. There's a reason why Bo Dallas uh, genetically is the way he is. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's part of it. I think also. You know the revival are are definitely kind of have a different style to them as well, um, where you know they they do try to slow things down. They they do the old school kind of wrestling on things, and and sometimes that style doesn't always mesh with the people that they're against. So, um, well, but yeah, I, I would say yeah. And in a bit of irony, of course, those of you who sort of grew up in the era I did remember that Vince had the original Brainbusters, who are sort of the the comparable team to to the revival and he didn't sort of utilize them to their maximum potential either so yeah you know. that's right all right so we get to the show proper and uh constable corbin took on finn baylor and finn baylor because of course it makes no fucking sense why he decides when he's going to use this and when he doesn't came out as the demon for a nothing match against the balding guy. Uh, but of course, this was a super quick match. This was a piss break match, but this was one where like you had to make sure it was a piss break and not and not not a shit break because it was a quick one. Uh, <laughs> um, so, but uh, Finn Balor now three and zero as the Demon at SummerSlam. Um, I. I originally i sort of like i hope they don't do the demon here because it seems like it would be a waste at this point and then it sort of hadn't teased it at all but then as i'm watching it i was sort of like into the fact that it was sort of out of nowhere as a surprise um and i thought corbin for his part as much as i'm not a fan of him i thought he did a great job of selling making the demon special uh it came across as though he was he was scared shitless of it uh then he did the squash job for him um you know, I, to me, this this worked. Uh, it told it it played into the story they've been telling. It worked great. It gave them somewhere to go uh, following this show. The only issue I have is that uh, you you haven't used the demon in a while. You broke it out for Corbin, but then not the following night. Uh, <sighs> I know. Yeah. Oh, oh God. This is what I'm saying with the his his decision decision on when to use it, when to not use it. They did this very well down at NXT, where uh, when when he had his match with Samoa Joe, where he eventually lost, that was the big thing. Was they made it into a storyline where Joe's like, "You can't beat me as just a man," kind of thing, and that was the reason why he came out as just a man and then promptly lost. This here is just like, oh, it's it's SummerSlam. Well, slap the fucking pain on you, buddy. <laughs> But they haven't yeah. done it for any of the other pay-per-views. It was it sort of it's been like a year I think since he's done it. I think so, yeah. Well, like I said, yeah. now he's now he's three and zero as the demon at SummerSlam. So yeah, it seems like it, it, it almost came across as like, uh, oh God, we had this match on twice already. Uh, what can we do to make it different? Uh, uh, paint yourself up as a demon again, right? You could still do that. And then like he went out there, and I mean, it was at least a way to make it different. It just did seem kind of like a waste to me, especially with the whole Roman thing. I mean, I guess that we do criticize them enough for sort of nonsensical booking that in this case, they've had super competitive matches in their previous two. 
if we want this to be a squash, how do we make it make sense that it's a squash? Well, the supernatural character, the demon, comes out and throws Corbin off his game. So I, I think there was at least a logic to it that is often lacking, so I, I can appreciate that. Fair point. Fair point. That makes sense. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so I think we spent more time talking about this in the actual match. So <laughs> let's move on to the only champion on the main card to actually win his championship match. Shinsuke Nakamura uh, retained the U.S. championship against Jeff Harvey. Um, sorry, sorry. That's the championship of Nakamura? That's true, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Shinsuke, the only person who actually had a, a W here in a, in a title match on the main card. Everyone else either lost their championships or lost the match via DQ. First, I, I, I really didn't understand this match because we've been building towards Randy Orton's involvement, and then Randy Orton came out at the end and fucking did nothing. So I really don't have a ton to get into regarding this match other than that fucking swanton on the ring oh. apron was ridiculous yeah jeff hardy's hurt isn't he like he's yes. actually hurt why is he trying to paralyze himself i, I believe this so is, this this is a guy who yeah a couple days ago said came out and said that yeah i've been pretty beat up i've been i've been saving the swanton just for kind of special things and my back is kind of mad. my my hand was numb for six weeks straight <laughs> And then he goes and swantons onto the fucking hardest part of the ring. Oh, you you, you heard that's the hardest part of the ring, huh? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I have heard that. Yeah, yeah it's just steel, right? Just straight steel under there. Yeah, yeah. There's no I mean, padding the, over there. Well, I mean, it is a shoot. That is the hardest part of the ring. But oh yeah, yeah. but they do may, certainly take great pains to make sure you know that. Yes, yes. So much so that. that they've had Tommaso Ciampa rip apart the ring so you can see it. Yeah. Firstly. <laughs> I would I would assume the hardest part of the ring would be the giant fucking LED board that they slapped on the side of the thing, but you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, so yeah, the the match itself, I mean, it, it it was what it was. I thought it was it was a decent match, uh, but again, this wasn't a feud regarding Shinsuke Nakamura and Jeff Hardy. This was Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton, and for some reason, Jeff Hardy was getting a, a title shot. So I did love the spot where Nakamura went for the cock shot. And uh, Jeff Hardy sort of saw it coming and got out of the way. That seemed yeah. to get the best reaction from the crowd, other than the Swanton. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, his cock shot's the best in the biz. Great, <laughs> <laughs> you should write that one down too. All right. <laughs> so yeah, um, moving right along here. <sighs> this this one's, one pains me to talk about. Uh, the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Titles were retained via DQ. As the Bludgeon Brothers lost the New Day via using one of their comically oversized hammers to end the match. Uh, now Adam, of course, picked Demolition, who were not in this match, um, <laughs> so he wasn't. He didn't get any points on this one. Uh, but the rest of us picked, picked the Bludgeon Brothers, so no points had in this one at all. <sighs> so this was sort of the beginning of the championship matches to make no sense and end in disqualifications on this show um yeah i it was there uh, i i still don't understand why we went back to the new day instead of doing something different um especially since they had this feud with the bludgeon brothers already um you know i ultimately and we'll get to what happened later there was the obviously the change but this was this match was fine these two did a, these two teams did a great job but I think if you're going to clearly what ultimately happened was not the plan based on the way they ended this match. Um, 
it was there. I mean, I, it was good, but it was good in a way that I just had no attachment to it. Did anybody hear Tom Phillips call Xavier the expendable New Day member? No, I missed that. <laughs> he he no, said that. I thought that was the most notable thing in the match. Oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Um, the most notable thing for me was the fact that uh, the New Day were dressed up like Sonic characters. Uh, so I appreciated that. We had Sonic Tails and Knuckles. Did they have free uh, shakes after seven? Uh, I don't believe so. That's oh. a different kind of Sonic. Oh. I was talking Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, okay. Uh, the guy that was voiced by Steve Urkel. <laughs> uh, so we're going to get to the to the follow up to to that shortly here when we get to our our uh, our segments. Uh, but our next match, uh, we had Seth Rollins uh, pick up the Intercontinental Championship off of Drift Zogler. Uh, Rollins, of course, dressed up like Thanos from the Infinity War movie. Uh, Derp Ziggler dressed up like Shawn Michaels because he wishes oh so much that he could actually be Shawn Michaels. <laughs> well, I thought he meant more, meant more the uh, Rick Rude route there with the Intercontinental belt on his on his gear. I mean, I feel like Ziggler just wants to be anyone but himself because he realizes <laughs> he sucks. So, See, I'm a part ways with you there I, i'm a fan of ziggler at least in terms of his in-ring performance um that said i thought this match it was weird because i thought this match was great i thought these guys worked really hard but i don't think the crowd attached to this match until really late into it um but these guys these guys killed it to me i thought this was a great way to open the show i thought they did an awesome job they got the pop of ambrose's his return um yeah no i have no problems with that i, I thought this was great I, I enjoyed the match too. Um, it was it was a, it just, this is what opened the pay per view technically, right? Yes. Yeah this this was a, a solid opener. Uh, I, I really did enjoy the match. Um, uh, I will say uh, I, I really do think maybe McIntyre should have been in that place. And by the way, Ambrose looks amazing. He looks huge. Yeah. I I can't get over how big he looks. But yeah. um, the match the match was really really good. I I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Right on. Well, and um, once once we saw this match was going on first, I think a lot of us thought, okay, well, we're probably not going to have Dean turn on Seth because that's kind of a that's not something you typically do in an opening match. Um, you know, pull something that big because then obviously it becomes a focal point of the of the show for a little bit. Um, and of course, we found out on Monday why they didn't have Dean Ambrose turn <laughs> on him too. So, uh, but more on that shortly. Um, other than that, yeah, I think that. Uh, Obviously, Seth and, and Dolph have really good chemistry. Um, you know, this this seems like it it's probably going to be the end of the feud pretty soon on this one. Might have one more match at heck in a sec, but we'll we'll see what happens there. <laughs> um, and then we move along to uh, WWE is really bad at heel face turns. As the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship match took place, and Carmella lost her championship without losing the match. Charlotte Flair picks up her 27th championship uh, by pinning Becky Lynch. And then after the match, the big news, of course, would be Becky Lynch getting pissed off and beating the piss out of Charlotte Flair to cheers because she's the heel. So, again, this is just and, and we'll sort of, I guess, get into it later because it's it's the topic. The reason I put the topic in the main event that I did. So I'm not going to get too, too deep into it here. Uh, this is just, once again, they clearly misread their crowd. Um, they're not playing to their strengths, which in this case is Charlotte Flair as a heel. Um, they're, they're trying to force something 
a square peg into a round hole in this one, and no pun intended, given that it's a women's match. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I I thought the match was fine. I thought they actually one of the better in ring performances of Carmella. Um, I thought Becky continues to be a little sort of what's the word I'm looking for frantic, I guess, in the ring. It's like it just seems to be rushing a lot. Um, but you know, Charlotte did a nice job in there, like she usually does, except for that corkscrew moonsault that hit absolutely nobody. Um, to me, the biggest takeaway from this match is that they, they that just, Charlotte has some really big fucking tits. Well, we have to see them to see if they're totally fixed. Like she needs. To I didn't them. say fixed. I said she's got big tits. She they, to, they're they're bigger than before. Well, you said we need to stop making fun of them because they look good now. I don't think we can confirm that yet. I think there's. I think we need photographic evidence. So she needs to take more naked selfies to be hacked in the cloud so that we can see these the, the new titties. Like I think she showed us the old ones. I think it's only fair she shows us the new ones. But that's just me. At any event, uh, that's well, just. I can say there's this guy who had uh, crossed eyes working at the Barclays Center, and I asked him if he could see Charlotte's tits straight. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, no, but to, to me. The thing that I found, my biggest takeaway from this is that they constantly hammered in that this is Charlotte's seventh championship reign, and she's now tied Trish Stratus for the most women's championships. So a couple things with that. First off, if you're going to put that particular stat over so hard, why is Alexa in the match she's in at Evolution instead of Charlotte? Like, isn't that the more natural selection, if you will? See what I did there? Um, But over and above that, this woman has been on the main roster for, what, three years now? And she's got seven championship reigns already? Doesn't that tell you all you need to know about how they don't take this women's division seriously? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's like the fact that Raven was like a 27-time hardcore champion. That tells you how much much they cared about that division as well. So. Yeah, I, I mean, this match was, uh, well, in my fucking book, I wrote Becky versus Carmella versus Crooked Tits. <laughs> I actually wrote that. Um, no, uh, I yeah. think they look great now. Yeah, no, I agree. It's still funny to write it, though. Oh, sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, I like Becky turning heel, but like you guys said, it was just really kind of... Not they're not the reaction you'd want from somebody turning heel, um, and that's the reason they won't turn Roman Reigns heel. For all the bitching people do, that's the you just saw the very fucking reason they won't do it. Yeah, you're right. Because then they'll start cheering. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, no, I, I I actually was kind of even though Carmella was like an afterthought in this match, even though she was the champ. Um, I thought she kind of handled herself a little better than she has in the past. Uh, she had a really nice suicide dive right before that, you know, mediocre corkscrew moonsault that missed everybody. But her suicide dive looked pretty decent. It was like a bottom rope one. Looked nice. But other than that, um, yeah, I, I wish I wish they handled the heel turn better. I really do. There you go. All right, moving right along to the next match, unless anyone else has something to say about the women. All right. Uh, Braun Strowman was uh, against Kevin Owens and beat his ass so bad that Kevin Owens didn't even show up the next night. Uh, Braun Strowman retains his Money in the Bank contract, and this match made me sad. <laughs> yep. Yes, it did. I was really not happy with this match at all. Why would you put the stipulation that if there is a disqualification, no disqualification, 
like he would still get the briefcase if it just didn't even matter at all. Well, I, probably because they had sold that sort of. Per, first off, because Kevin Owens had previously won on a technicality and at the last the steel cage match, and then you played it into the gender kept kept beating Braun by countouts and disqualification. So, I guess it sort of added that believability that maybe Owens could win the the Money in the Bank. I don't think anybody actually thought he would win the Money in the Bank. Um, no. Although when he came out with, I was more convinced that he wasn't winning when he came out with the, the KO in the Bank shirt. Um, which I'm a little upset <laughs> that I can't go by now because he lost the match. Um, you know, it is what it is. I, 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 why put Kevin Owens in this spot if that's the story you want to tell? Uh, that's the part I just don't get. There are plenty of guys. You could have put Jinder in this spot, and then Squash yeah. wouldn't have made any difference, and you've already started to tell that story on Raw. So why just, I don't want to say waste, but why sort of, bring down Kevin Owens a notch in people's eyes for the sake of telling the story that had really had no consequence to it. It was really the same story they've been telling, you know, over the past couple of weeks, you know, Kevin Owens just getting his ass beat by Braun Strowman. And, you know, this story was, Hey, Braun Strowman's a monster and he can beat people up. So see, he beat Kevin Owens up. That was it. I mean, I, I'm really sad that they put Kevin Owens in that spot. Yeah, that was a bummer. Yeah, to me, this just felt like let's keep Braun strong because we know he's not going to win at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. So, but, but that's but his that's, girlfriend wins best T-shirt. Yes, uh, and best hits of the night too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for those of you not not in the know, there there was a picture that circulated around of a. Uh, uh, Mr. Strowman and a lovely uh, young woman who is an independent wrestler, and her shirt says, "I get, I get those hands." So ah, uh, I did not know that. That's probably funny. more the fingers, but you know, I mean, you don't know. She, she might <laughs> be in the fisting. Are pretty giant, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't know how much of a gape she's got. You know, <laughs> be like giving birth. Oh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Oh, man. Speaking of gaping vaginas, the Raw Women's Championship match was next <laughs> as Alexa Bliss took on Rowdy Ronda Rousey. And your new Raw Women's Champion is Ronda Rousey. And another squash in a title match. Um, look, they played Bliss's double-jointedness beautifully here. Uh, it worked out great. It made for a great visual. I don't know what the fuck Ronda was wearing on her face in terms of face paint. That was oh. sort of... That was just weird. She sort of looked like she was doing one of those zombie gimmicks or something. I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's. I, I sort of felt like it's another situation where. You, look, I understand you want Rhonda to look strong and, and be sort of. But how. If you've made. Spent months and months and years making Alexa this dominant force on, on both women's brands and, and Rhonda beats her like that, who's to challenge her at this point? You've set her so yeah. far above the rest of the division now that it sort of makes it hard to, to get too much into it. Well, of course it's going to be Stephanie McMahon. <clears throat> oh, God. I told you she was going to main event evolution. Can we can we talk a little bit here about the fact that every single uh, like special thing that happens with the women's division has to either have a Bella Twin or Stephanie McMahon present for it? This match included... Ronda's big coronation had, you know, had the Bella Twins at ringside. Then, of course, the, the next night, here's Stephanie McMahon. We know that the, that the Bella Twins and Stephanie are both going to be at Evolution. 
Well, Why? The, the rumored main event, for those who don't know, for Evolution is Ronda defending the title against Nikki Bella um, because WWE doesn't know their audience. Uh, a money match right there. But their, their belief being that they're the two biggest female stars that they have with Nikki with her sort of TMZ sort of internet celebrity uh, and Ronda, of course, her, her history as a fighter. That's the planned main event. And I, but there was really no indication of that either at SummerSlam with the Bellas at ringside or on Raw with the Bellas at ringside. Um, also, we don't clearly fucking know which brand Brie is on. But, um, you know, the, uh, throw Revolution at the end and it just doesn't fucking matter. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was something that happens. Um, the match itself, like you said, was kind of normal, what we expect from Ronda. Um, the the fact that we continue to kind of play up Ronda as being this uh, unstoppable force, and, and uh, I understand it, but like you said, I mean, at this point, who do you go? Because Charlotte is on the other brand, and nobody on the Raw side seems to be able to match her at all in anything. Oh, and so. you've probably forgotten this, but Asuka's on the other brand, too. Yeah, that's true. They've clearly forgotten it, so I'm sure you have to. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She's still is she still employed? Yes, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. I felt like maybe she wasn't anymore. Alright, so three matches remain on this one. The next one was the Miz versus Daniel Bryan, uh, in what we were trying to figure out was going to be the first in the series or the last in in, in that we would see these two guys. Uh, but the Miz winds up picking up a victory by getting some brass knuckles handed to him by Maurice, who then stuffed it back into her titties. Um, the match itself, I thought, did, was great. The storytelling was great. Uh, the ending segment, to me, um, like, Maurice gives him the brass knuckles, and then it was like three minutes later when he finally used them. So I felt like that took away a little bit of the suspense on it. Um and a little bit of the shock of it as well, because I thought that Brian was going to come running over and Miz was going to turn around and just clock him. But instead, Brian gets back in the ring, Miz goes to the side of the ring, Dana Brian tries to come out. It, it just, it seemed like a long time before those knuckles actually came into effect. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I did I did like the match quite a bit. Um, it was very solid. I mean, the Miz just a great heel doing the yes kicks back. I mean, doing them all year and then finally doing them to Daniel Bryan like that was pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, I kind of agree with the, the brass knuckles. I mean, the finish itself was fitting for Miz to win that way. Just dirty heel winning. And, uh, I, I, uh, I believe I called that completely correctly in my prediction, uh, the Miz winning. And, uh, you were the only one. (laughs) I said by shenanigans, I think in, in my prediction, but, uh, see the thing, the thing I loved about this match was that for the last couple of years, going back to I believe to the Talking Smack segment and certainly to when he was the commissioner or the GM of Raw of SmackDown, we heard multiple times Daniel Bryan has consistently said he wanted to punch the Miz in the face. So for the Miz to win the match by punching Daniel Bryan in the face, I thought was just beautiful full circle storytelling. Um, I loved it. Uh, I had no problem with the waiting on the thing because to me I thought that was sort of a nod to the crowd. Like, you guys know this, but Daniel doesn't. 
Um, so we had a little bit of a secret knowing what was going on that, that the competitor didn't, and it made total sense to us when it happened, but he was in the dark. Um, I thought that was really nice the way they did that, actually. It's it's very easy to go right into. I got the foreign object to punch him in the face. To be able to tell the story of I got the foreign object, I have to wait for the right moment to use it, I thought was much better. Um, and I loved sort of the little intricacies like uh, the... Miz doing the it kicks and Daniel Bryan completely no selling them as if to say you don't fucking know how to do my move. Um, I, I thought it was great. Yeah, I was yeah. really happy with that. Um, where do you think this culminates this feud? I, do you think it's going to be a title feud? I hope. I, you know what? I don't think so because I think th- there are certain feuds that are over enough on their own that they don't need a title to sort of accentuate them, and I think this is one of them. Um, I think there's enough heat here that adding a belt to it would sort of be a waste of a belt. I think there's probably other programs that could use the heat provided by a title match more than this one could. That makes sense. Yeah, I think that uh, that I'm with you on that one. Um, we know the the next step in this feud, but uh, that's one of our topics coming up here, so we'll get to it then. Um, moving right along to a match that disappointed the piss out of me, uh, AJ Styles wound up losing his uh, match against Samoa Joe, but retaining the title thanks to DQ, uh, where Samoa Joe got on the mic. Uh, and... Do you mean Samoa Joe got distracted by a Dairy Queen dilly bar or something? Yes. Uh, Samoa Joe saw one of those delicious um, Reese's peanut butter cupcakes okay. and was like, was like, oh, I got to get me some of that. And then AJ Styles hit him with a chair. Uh. Uh, so, yeah, so... <laughs> uh, Dairy Queen finish here. No, of course, Samoa Joe got on the mic. It's and- funny because he's fat. Yeah, and and his and his entrance entrance music is Fat Guy Trombone. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, Samoa Joe got on the mic and said that uh, he was going to be Wendy's new daddy. And then AJ Styles kind of went ape shit and beat the hell out of him with a couple of chairs. And yeah, this that, that was a match. So I, I do like the storytelling. Um, I don't know if that was a blade job AJ did or not, or if it was super convenient, but the way the visual of as Samoa Joe does delivers the daddy line, you pan over and you just see AJ pull his head up and he's bleeding from the forehead and just snaps. I thought that was great camera work. It was visually just awesome. Um, again, another title match that ends in a disqualification uh, you know, it's one of those things where you can get away with one of those on a show, but this was, I think, the third one on this show, and it just sort of, by the, by that point, it was like, I think the crowd was over the matches not having real endings to them. Um, I understand why they did it. I understand we're continuing this into Hell in a Cell. Um, I get that they were trying to tell the story. Uh, by the way, star of the night, AJ Styles' daughter with, you're bleeding, daddy. Um, mm-hmm. That was great. And also I, instantly trying to get away from him when, he, when she hugged him. Yes. Um, so, but all, all things considered, the match itself, I think, far exceeded expectations, despite the fact that they weren't doing triple jump moonsaults five seconds into it, which would have made Sal happy. Um, because for those who don't know, we were like two seconds into the match, and Sal's, these guys did better matches at TNA. It's like, oh God. you, you got to feel bad for Sal's wife. It's like, fuck the foreplay right into the sliding D. Um <laughs> He's he's got the D in before she's got her panties off, dude. <laughs> she's like another pair. You ripped another pair. <laughs> uh, why does all my underwear look like Swiss cheese? Jesus. Um, yeah. In any event, yeah, it was, it was. I thought it was probably the, in terms of work, the match of the night for me. 
Okay. Mm. I actually think uh, Seth Dolph was match of the night for me. I, I didn't meant to say that earlier. I enjoyed it, but yeah, this was this was a really good match uh, storytelling wise. I think uh, it was awesome. Joe uh, being the amazing bad guy that he is and manipulating uh, AJ like that. AJ, I think I think this is the best feud for AJ since he's had the title. Maybe in WWE. I would argue that. Okay. Um, yeah, the match the match was good. Sorry, I didn't finish my thought. <laughs> I, I, th- yeah. I still exceeded by Cena Styles. That's one of those. Ah, um, uh, yeah. That, that's one of those Rock Austin feuds. I think at this point. Yeah, you know, I don't know how I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. All in all, um, obviously we're going to get a continuation of of this, and and I think that there's better matches that we'll see on, down the line. I think the next match we're most likely going to see, obviously, is them at Hell in a Cell, in Hell in a Cell. So um, I think that is where you're going to start seeing uh, a lot more of what these guys can do uh, to be able to tell more of a story. This felt like just a tip, so I think we're going to go balls deep in the next one here. So Just for a second, just to see how yep. it feels. Uh, so then our, our main event of the evening, and I had to just look online because the entire time that I that I watched this final match, I was like, this match is is going really fucking fast. And I was right. This was a six-minute match for your Universal Championship <laughs> as Roman Reigns picks up the Universal Championship finally off of Brock Lesnar. Uh, the big story here, of course, is the fact that at the beginning of the match, Braun Strowman came down to ringside and stood there claiming that he was going to be, be a gentleman and take on one of these guys face-to-face, albeit after they have a grueling match first, of course. Um, well, he how didn't, grueling he didn't... can a match be if it was only six minutes? That's true, that's true, that's true. Um, of course, uh, Braun being on ringside helped to distract and keep Brock Lesnar a little bit stronger because the reason Lesnar lost was because of distraction by Braun Strowman. First, he kicked the shit out of him, took the fucking money in the in the in the bank briefcase and chucked it all the way down to fucking toledo ohio <laughs> and, it wasn't yeah. as good as the car door toss a few years back. well he didn't hit a fan at least this time uh but he got that all the way to the top of the ramp and that was that was impressive uh and yeah of course he uh, he takes one spear from roman reigns and that was it biggity bam we have a universal champion that's going to be on tv every week yeah and, and uh, yeah to me this was beautiful a beautiful job by the WWE. Uh, they played sort of the bait and switch game beautifully here because they gave the crowd the Braun Strowman tease, mm-hmm. and they they tickled it. They tickled you nuts just enough to get you to come, only to realize that you were just jerking off the whole time. Um, well, for Sal, he would have been he would have came before this match even started. So. That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, they they brought him out. They had him out there so that they gave people a reason to think he was going to cash him, which is why I think people were okay with the Roman win. In fact, it didn't get it, it got a much better reaction than I thought it would. And then they very quickly cut the show and like that's it, we're done. Like they didn't they didn't get the booze that I think they were expecting, and I think they did it in exactly the right way to avoid that that they were trying to avoid. Uh, so it was well done by them. Yeah, like I, like you said, I'm just glad we got. So for the record, on Monday night we had the first Universal Championship defense on Raw since January of 2017, and it looks like the the whole gimmick going forward with Roman is going to be um, a fighting champion. And if that's the case, I'm all for it. 
I agree. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I think everybody was just not that they weren't looking forward to this match. They were just tired of it and they found a way to make it entertaining. And uh, I, I was happy with that. Um, I did find it weird though, how Braun Strowman came down and was like, Hey, I'm going to fight you. I'm going to talk to you, tell you to your face and I'm going to fight you man on man. And, and after you guys, you know, fucking beat each other up, I'm going to come in there and you're going to fight me. And it was that, that was weird, but I, I thought they did play it up beautifully. And, you know, Brock chucking that briefcase just made me actually spit my beer out when I saw it. It was really funny. But I thought it was beautifully done. I was quite entertained, and I am glad Rome is the champion, and he's going to be actually defending it. There you go. So, yeah, uh, we finally have a new Universal Champion, and we also have a new Predictions Champion. That's right, because every single one of us... Shut up, I already saw you do it. Every single one of us uh, wound up getting 10 points, except for Adam. I'm pretty sure you put some of my predictions in the wrong spot. I, I'm, nope, didn't do that. No, I'm, pretty, I'm got, pretty sure I won. Adam got 13 points, so no, he I is the winner. I definitely got 14. All right, whatever. Um, but, of course, like Sorry, I said, Adam, everyone else you lost. Every, Everyone else on the, on the show got a little something that we call... The Perfect 10! A 10! A tan! A fucking tan! That's right, and we're going to start the perfect 10 off by talking about uh, a little bit of rumor news. As, uh... Boy, there's no way that we're going to get through this without you saying your catchphrases are... What are you you referring to? AJ Lee is close to a deal to appear at Evolution. Fuck CM Punk! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We, of course, have been... Fuck him and his fucking ass. There we go. All right. I'll just kind of sit back and let this happen for a little bit. All right. Uh, I was hoping you would at least yell surprise first. Uh, so, Hashtag uh, yeah. Forrest Daniel. <laughs> uh, news, of course, uh, we're, we're building more and more towards evolution. Only one thing confirmed so far for it, um, which we'll be talking about a little bit here. But, yeah, uh, possible possibility of AJ Lee coming back for, for evolution. Um, how excited would you be to see AJ Lee at evolution, Jeff? Uh, yeah, I would like it. <laughs> That's yeah, it would it would be cool. I mean, uh, I I I think CM Punk would be very disappointed at her if she did it. He'd probably no. sue her. Probably. <laughs> he probably would. Yeah. Or no, so, he would tell her it's he'd tell her it's fine, and he'd pay for all of her stuff to get there, and then he'd ask for it back. There you go. <laughs> there we go. Now we're now we're cooking. Uh, or so he would agree to take her to the show and then quit halfway through. There you go. <laughs> Drop her off on the side of the road somewhere. Be like, um, uh, Phil, we're we're in we're in Tennessee. We're nowhere near the arena. Ah, well, you have to figure it out your own way. I'm done. See ya. <laughs> I'm done. Uh, yeah. So, would we like to see AJ Lee just kind of in the corner of Caitlyn, or do we want to see her actually perform? Uh. Uh. It's tough for me. I don't know. I I, I would want to see her wrestle. I enjoyed her when she was in the WWE. I thought she was really nice looking. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, so. You know, anytime she breaks out the little Daisy Dukes, I'm good with it. Um, you know, obviously the delicious irony of her coming back to the company after the lawsuit against her husband is over um, would be outstanding. Uh, fodder for us to talk about 
But uh, again, it's one of those things where it's being reported, but I won't really believe it until I see official confirmation. Yeah, I mean, we know that even after CM Punk left, AJ Lee was still there um, finishing out her contract. She didn't have to. She could have quit as well. Um, but instead, she did finish out the rest of her contract. So maybe that's kind of what they look at more on that is that, well, you you, you worked with us once before, even after we were having problems with, with your husband. Maybe you'll work with us again. But that, um, that paycheck becomes community property. I'm just saying. That's true. I mean, they are they are paying half of that to CM Punk. So um, we'll see what happens there. And on top of that, of course. Uh, fuck CM Punk. Yeah. Uh, as well as <laughs> um, we... AJ Lee is a big part of the women's revolution, even though they like to claim that it was Stephanie, the same way that they like to claim that Stevie Richards took over for Chris Benoit and certain things. But uh, yeah, this is, you know, we we have a women's revolution because AJ Lee got on and did her little, or her shoot promo on, on the girls. and Also because know, was, she bre- beat Brie Bella in 15 seconds. That's true. Yep, she beat Brie Bella in 15 seconds. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I mean, if Daniel we, Bryan can give Brie credit for the women's revolution because of that fucking match, then I think you got to give AJ Lee credit, too. Yeah. And, uh, of course, you know, they, it seems like they're trying to get, uh, with Trish Stratus being on there, they're trying to get Lita as well to appear, um, hopefully not in a match, because that didn't go over so well last time. Uh, we know from the from the women's Royal Rumble that they, they've been in contact with a lot of their older... Uh, they're, they're former, I shouldn't say older, former uh, women's wrestlers. So uh, definitely one that they can kind of bring out some of these nostalgia acts and, and we can see. Kelly Kelly? What it, probably. <laughs> uh, she, she ain't doing shit. <laughs> She's posted that, some very nice uh, pictures of her in bikinis on Instagram now. That's true. You know, that poll ain't going to work itself. So <laughs> <laughs> put them on the glass. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think Summer Ray was rumored, right? If anyone could find her, I think she's probably like washed up in a fucking like uh, uh, sorority house at this point. Or yeah. <laughs> fuck Summer Ray. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I. I always. I always dug Summer Ray. She was a terrible wrestler, a terrible ring announcer, a terrible everything. But she is one of the few people that was able to get away with saying twat on live TV. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I. I enjoy her for that. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Obviously, evolution is is uh, what, two months away at this point. Yeah, three. Like that. Yeah, whatever the fuck it is. So yeah, uh, moving right. Can we got AJ Lee. Do you think we get AJ Lee to come out and cut one of those Triple H style promos talking about how you know this match was eight years in the making and blah 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 and you know. I, so it's not even on the perfect time, but that Triple H fucking promo on Monday Night Raw drove me insane because he's sitting out there talking about how, you know, I swore I would never do this again. Like, dude, do you think we don't fucking remember? You've been at every WrestleMania for the last, like, God knows how long that The Undertaker just wrestled John Cena at fucking WrestleMania. It was four fucking months ago, Hunter. Yeah. You make it sound yes, like you've yeah. been fucking dead and buried for three years. Right. Not to mention the fact that, like, you have faced other, like, icons in the business recently you faced sting a couple of years ago you and you had to get Cena you... in saudi arabia yeah and it sounds uh, i mean I, I would hate to think that this is another one of hunters i need to get a win on somebody because that's <laughs> kind of the storyline that they're, they're telling uh, you know he, he he gave a bunch of money to sting in order to get his win on sting maybe he's gonna pay undertaker a bunch of money to to let him do the job i don't know 
To be fair, Sting might have got the win back if he hadn't gotten paralyzed. It's true. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) And then he was never heard from again. Yeah. No, I don't know why that that promo was on that Raw. It was just such a weird, random spot to put it on there. Um, And it was, he took, I think he took entirely too much time for it. It was just, it seemed really slow and really methodical. And it didn't, yeah, like you said, it just didn't, he acts like we haven't seen him. Like he's just been gone for forever. So yeah, this is a guy who used to give half hour promos to start the shows during the, <laughs> during the Authority era. So he was just practicing again. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I'll be back soon. <laughs> At forty five minute Cunnilingus to get his job. There you go. <laughs> um, but of course, uh, with uh, with Triple H being on the show and with us actually having a Universal Champion that showed up on the show, Raw wound up getting its best ratings since the Superstar Shakeup. So. Yeah, all those guys saying that, oh, Roman Reigns is not the top guy. You shouldn't be. Well, about that. Yeah, his first match with the title gets the highest ratings in quite a while. Um, yeah, and there wasn't really a whole lot advertised going into the show, so you got to think the only reason people were tuning in was to see what was going to happen with that title. Um, I, I, so all those people who constantly shit on Roman and say he's not over – Fuck you, he's absolutely over. He may not be over in the way that your traditional top guy has been over, but he's fucking over and that people want to see him, whether it's to boo him or to cheer him, he's fucking over. That's right. Absolutely. All right. And uh, these these next two are kind of going to go hand in hand. Um, Stephanie McMahon wound up showing up on Raw yet again. Yay. And, yeah, her first order of, a biz- order of business was to fire Kurt Angle. And so, that wasn't yeah. her first order of business. That was way after. Well, yeah, but that you put it on the on the list first, so that's how I'm going to put it out. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so um, you, the, the, oh, so now you want to fucking follow the order of the list? Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, the the night kind of started up. This was kind of a theme going on between Corbin and Angle because. Um, we started the night off with saying that uh, Roman and Finn were going to be in the main event, and Corbin tried to shut it down. Angle turned around and said, "Now fuck you. Uh, these guys are going to be in the main event, and Corbin, you're going to face against Bobby Lashley because we got nothing better for him to do." And Corbin played the whole "I'm going to tell on you" and ran to Stephanie and did exactly that. So Stephanie turned around and fired Kurt Angle, which probably is pretty deserving at this point. And uh, Bobby Lashley didn't even give us a song this week, so no, it's um, a shame. Yeah, yeah, because that's exactly what Raw has needed is more Baron Corbin. Um, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. going forward, there's going to be a lot more Baron Corbin. And to be fair, you know, it's been like five minutes since we had a heel authority figure, so <laughs> let's do that again because that I don't see where that's going to go. The only way this will work out is if he unbuttons like the three bottom buttons on his shirt and lets the the mouth belly come out <laughs> and talk for him. Yeah. Yes, the, the the stomach mouth is the GM of Raw, yes, not Corbin. Right. Like the like the, the Raw, kiss like, my stomach mouth club. Oh, there you yes. go. <laughs> there you go. Fuck. Um, Jeff just booked us a whole angle. Look at that. There you go. Um, <laughs> so I'm actually okay with this because having both shows have a a face GM. I feel like um, this gives it a, a little bit more kind of separation between the two shows. Um, so having you know Raw be kind of run by a heel and and SmackDown be run by a face, 
I think works for me. Uh, the choice of Raw GM, obviously, Corbin is a wet fart, but, you know, it's... Adam it likes it him, though. Oh, Adam loves him. I, I liked him for a while. I'm glad that he... he Not finally... in the way Adam loves Finn Balor, but Adam loves him. That's true. Well, Adam was one of the guys lining up to put baby oil on Finn Balor's chest, so... Yeah, along with my wife, so... I was there, too, so I can't, I can't lie. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so then uh, Steph's other order, order business was to make the women's revolution all about her. Uh, as she presented Ronda Rousey with a brand new title. Oh, no, wait, it's the same title. Uh, it actually is physically the same title that Alexa Bliss had on her yesterday, which is different side plates on it. And the segment ended with Ronda Rousey destroying Stephanie McMahon's arm yet again. But why? Yeah, you did this whole angle... I guess to to what end though you you sort of subjugated the rest of the roster and good on Ronda for for being part of calling her calling her out for that and working that into the angle and that was great but like to to what end like the only program that was clear coming out of this is Ronda versus Stephanie and nobody wants to see that shit we've already seen it so what is this now Ronda's Ronda's are we really 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 going back to the Vincent Stone Cold thing with Ronda and Stephanie because that's exactly what it looks like. So now Steph's going to line up a bunch of people to try to take the belt off Ronda, and then she's going to fucking get Kane to do it? Is that where we're going with this? No, I actually think we're going to go in the Rowdy Piper Goldust angle, and Stephanie's going to fight with a strap-on dildo attached to her. Maybe, maybe <laughs> R-Truth versus Ronda? There you go. Hmm. After he fights Carmella. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's working on it. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that... Nobody else on Raw can touch her, so uh, I guess it's time for Nikki Bella to join the Raw roster. <laughs> I, I think she already has, hasn't she? Uh, I don't know. Let me check if she's listed over there. I don't Talk think it really says. matters. Kane was on SmackDown, too, when he came back for Team Hell No. So. That's true. After being Superstar shake over to Raw, by the way. Yeah. Ooh. Somebody, somebody's feeling Dunn's wrath. All right. Uh, what? <laughs> I don't know. It was the first thing that popped up on WB.com. Okay. All right. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, next order of business here would be uh, we found out that uh, Rowan was dealing with a, with a bicep injury. Turns out it's a torn bicep. And because of that, he's going to be out for an extended period of time. So the New Day got an impromptu rematch and are now five-time WWE World Tag Team Champions. Yes? <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, New Day won. Yay. I, look, I will say this. For... Uh, um, Rowan to do what he did with a torn bicep in that match was pretty fucking impressive because he didn't hold back. He did a lot of shit in that match. Um, I guess it goes back to the old saying, like, what am I going to do with Tarrant Moore? It's already fucking torn. Um, but, yeah, they, these two teams beat the shit out of each other. It was it was sort of great match to watch in that regard. But, again, like I said earlier, we're back to New Day with the titles, and I, you know, I don't fucking know where we go from here because the only other teams, the Usos are faces... I mean, the bar, I guess, but do we really need more of the bar versus the New Day? I'm pretty sure we've tapped that fucking thing out. And the Good Brothers, I think, are faces? I don't fucking know anymore. Yeah. But I do know Carl Anderson has great abs. 
That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so Nick, Nikki Bella is listed as a SmackDown superstar, by the way. Uh, but yeah, so Fucking we, told we did we did learn before this, of course, that uh, um, Cricket Wireless spokesman Sheamus and his tag team partner Cesaro um, were going to challenge for the, whoever won this one. And then the bar came out, and not the bar, they're already the bar. And then the the Good Brothers came over, and I had no fucking clue what they were referencing at all uh, in their little joke, but they, I guess, were acting like they were going to be on the pre-show panel and proceeded to do really bad, like, British accents. And, yeah, so they, I, it sounds like these two are probably going to face off each other, off against each other maybe next week and yeah, see I, who's I, going to face the, the New Day. It was so British they called Nigel McGuinness a cunt. It was very weird. Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah. Couldn't believe they got away with it, but they were British, so I guess it was okay. Yeah. That word's okay as long as you're British. Yeah. You'll have to explain to me what you were laughing about earlier, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, the new Skype has a bunch of random emojis that I was just oh, okay. messing around with. Okay. I don't, I don't yeah. know if you can see it when I click that, but... I couldn't see anything. Okay. Then you didn't see why it was funny, so that... Oh, okay. All right. Well, I can see it if I open up the main thing. All right. Glad you're paying attention to the show. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. <laughs> this this is great radio, by the way. It's officially the moment this shit goes off the rails. Jeff, you're, you're the new host. Yep. Uh, we, okay. we quit. Uh, anyways, yeah, so, <laughs> Jeff, what do you feel about uh, the new day being five-time champions? Um, uh, I thought it was... I mean, you know, Rowan's hurt. You gotta find a way to probably take the belts off of them, and in a no disqualification match, I guess that's the only way you can kind of keep the Bludgeon Brothers strong. I guess. I mean, I don't know if you're going to. Would you? I mean, I don't dislike the Bludgeon Brothers, but would you consider them almost like a failure at this point? Like they didn't really get over, did they? I mean, they were over to begin with, and then once they got the titles, I think that. People didn't really know what was going to happen with them. Me, I'm I'm a huge Harper fan. Time um, to put the Wyatt family back together. Yeah. <laughs> so I I feel for Harper because he keeps every every time he gets like a title run, he gets it like snatched away from him. His IC title run was what 21 days, and then Vince was just like, "Fuck it, put it on someone else." Uh, to be fair, that was run. that was the angle where they were playing hot potato with the IC yeah. title, and everyone was stealing it and losing it, and right. But they, they missed an opportunity there to have him have it for a while. Obviously, he was just kind of included in the first run of SmackDown Take Team Championships with the, his, the Freebird rule with uh, with Randy and Bray, and he wasn't really a part of that storyline, really. And then, obviously, that kind of exploded out. Um, and then this one here, you know, they're, they're having a good run with the belts and actually beating the piss out of people, and then Rowan gets hurt. So uh, I, I feel for the guy for, you know, to continue to have his pushes kind of derailed by other people or other storylines taking precedent. Well, and Rowan seems to be another one of those guys that, that gets hurt fairly regularly. I seem to remember him missing significant time with other injuries not too far too long ago. I think well, his, that was that was the reason why they brought Braun Strowman up. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then even after that, when he came back as part of that angle, then he got hurt again, and then he came back as the Bludgeon Brothers after another extended absence, I believe. Um so, you know, I will say that fucking crucifix powerbomb on the ladder across two chairs oh. was fucking stiff. Yeah. That looked that looked terrible. <laughs> there was there was a lot of, of just painful moves in this one. Um you know, obviously with the <laughs> 
um, throwing guys over tables and and throwing in barricades and shit like that. Yeah, this was just a brutal match, but um, wound up being, you know, the. I think most of us went into this knowing what was going to happen once we found out about Rowan, obviously. Um, but yeah, you could. That that was the thing was that watching this match, you wouldn't think that Rowan was hurt at all. He didn't seem like he was hampered at all. Um, but I think obviously them taking him out through the barricade was their way of writing him off the show. Um, and WB.com has confirmed that he is injured and will be out for a while. So the guess the question then becomes, what do they do with Harper? Do they just take him off TV um, for a while or do they have him do a singles run or what do they do? Oh boy. <laughs> I guess um, they, I guess they do nothing. All right. <laughs> Um, I I would I would like to see him on a singles run. I would. I mean, he's yeah. really talented. I mean, obviously, I don't I don't think he'll get any sort of long term success. He might be like, uh, you know, just throw him in when like Shelton Benjamin. Just throw him in there when you need an opponent who's talented. But, um, yeah, I I, I don't want to see him sit to the side. That would stink. Yeah, I hear you on that one. Um, yeah, because this is a guy like we've I've, I've talked about before that uh, you, you know very talented was a very talented guy in the, in the Indies, came back after after a lengthy absence in just great shape and has you know didn't really get that kind of a fair shake until the Bludgeon Brothers started up. So, uh, but we'll see what happens there. Um, we had a little something else happen on Raw that was uh, uh, pretty pretty sizable. The end of the end of the show saw Roman Reigns take on Finn Balor. Uh, Balor, of course, decided not to bust out the demon because why would he bother? It's a title match. And a lot of people, of course, were expecting there'd be a possible cash in. So um, Braun Strowman wants, come on, dude. <laughs> Braun Strowman winds up, uh, um, you know, coming down near the end of the match. Uh, distracts Finn Balor after a, what was a, a, a really good TV match between these two guys. Uh, Roman Reigns gets the win, and of course, uh, looks like Braun is going to to potentially cash in. Actually, does hand a briefcase over, um, and then the Shield. But the bell didn't ring. Yeah, they cut. They they made sure to to drive that just fucking straight into our colon. That the bell didn't ring, so yes, Braun Strowman does still have the the briefcase. And uh, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose came out in the original Shield gear and actually beat the piss out of Braun Strowman. Thankfully, it wasn't like Ryback's levels of beating the piss out of him because Braun did get some offense back, but he did get triple powerbombed through the announce table, and we got a fisting to go off the air. (laughs) So are we excited about the Shield coming back, and what did we think of the match itself. Um, I thought the match was really good. I actually liked the sequence that finished the match. I thought it was done really well. Um, the Shield reunion, i got to tell you, I sort of popped for it, given the fact that they all came out in the, the Shield gear. I thought that was great. Um, all in all, I, I really actually found myself enjoying this segment, and the fact that it ended with extreme fisting, you just can't beat that shit. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Um, I found myself really enjoying this. It was just, it was, not that it was, ra- I guess it was random. Yeah, it was pretty random to have them just kind of reform, but I guess I, I enjoyed it. I didn't I didn't mind it at all. 
Um, I thought that was a cool way to kind of thwart Braun Strowman's plans for the second night in a row. Um, it's weird. It's, it'd be interesting to see how they do this, keep doing this going forward. Are they going to keep have Bra- having Braun Strowman almost cash in and then like last second have somebody beat him up or something happen where he can't do it? Well, that's sort of been the mo with the, with the case for a while is a bunch of false cash ins that you know eventually you get the real one. I just think Braun's the wrong guy to be carrying the case in the first place because a he's a face, b he's a dominant face, and this but he's the monster on the bank. But that's the point though is that he. <laughs> There's no fucking like like when he cashes in he's winning. There's no fucking gray area here. Um, yeah. You know it's it, to me it just takes all the suspense out of the case to have him carrying it around. I agree. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So we'll see because this is we have another potential for um, for there to be a money in the bank holder who just gets a title shot. So. And can I just say that I love the true heel nature of you now going in order in the fucking list after being called <laughs> up for it earlier tonight? Uh-huh. I figured you like that. <laughs> <laughs> moving right along. I should just do eight at this point now. Uh, moving right <laughs> along. <laughs> um, Becky Lynch came out to explain herself in a heel promo. And, of course, because she is a bad guy, uh, the crowd cheered her wildly. <laughs> First off, to me, this is two segments because... I thought Becky was great. I thought Becky caught a, a great heel promo. I thought she was believable. She was angry. She was everything you need that person to be. She's a little bit of a lapse in logic in a couple of things she said, i.e., you know. But, but like, you still sold out SummerSlam. Well, yeah, because if you want to play it that way, they all sold it out to watch your big moment. But in any event, um, she's trying to cut this heel promo. She's like, and you all didn't support me, and they're like, yes, yes! Like, <laughs> you never yeah. wanted me to win. Yes, we did! Yeah. It was like, it just got to the point where it was like, god damn it, you don't know your audience at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I really enjoyed her heel promo, like you said, but yeah, those were... Ah, god, it's like... It is really frustrating to see them actually turn somebody heel and just the way they do it not knowing your audience whatsoever it, she might be more popular now than she was well she probably is more popular now than she absolutely was yeah not even probably no, not, <laughs> yeah. not at all yeah and obviously there's there's a better way that you could have gone with this. I mean, Becky getting getting fucked out of all of her opportunities would have been a better way to go about it, not the whole, I'm turning on the crowd because you don't love me anymore. Um, but also, we get a lapse of... of, of uh, um, it's There's no fucking reason why the Iconics would be holding Becky, Becky Lynch back at the end of that segment. Like... No, I know. <laughs> like, I can understand if you had, like... Naomi out there or somebody like that, but like the Iconics, like what the fuck are they gonna? Why do they, well, they would be like, yes, beat the shit out of her, <laughs> like they hate Charlotte. But they're heels, so heels hold back the heels in a pull apart. That's it's just it's why though, like <laughs> probably for the same reason. That's the only fucking way Oscar can get on the show is by pulling well, Charlotte yeah, off. I was gonna say. Then use use refs to hold back Becky Lynch. Use we, refs we, to hold back. We Becky. talk all the time on the show about how they fucking destroy, how they ruined Bailey. Have they ruined anybody more than they've ruined Asuka? I would I would reason to say Becky Lynch, maybe. 
but but, but time's no, still the tells Becky on that was one. never like huge even down in NXT. Nah, I don't know. Oscar was undefeated for three fucking years, dude. She was up on the main roster for four months before they took that off of her and relegated her to fucking main event. I still think that there's time um, to to see what's going on, what 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 they can do with Asuka. Uh, I'm not gonna close the book on her yet. I think she's I think, never gonna be as hot as she was. I know that. So that yeah, but so that that moment has passed. Well, yeah. Uh, I guess. But you could say the same thing about the revival, the Good Brothers. I think American we did Alpha. say that all about them on this episode, actually. Yeah. Um, Ascension. You know. You, you could put them guys in there, Wait, too. You mean Ascension or Ascension 2.0, a.k.a. Authors of Pain? Them as well. Yeah. I mean... God. We're oh, talking about uh, a riveting, riveting feud right now. Yeah. Well, Titus is into those white women, so that's going to be... True. That's, that's true. A, sorry, uh... Not Titus, the other one, Apollo. <laughs> the other one. <laughs> I would in in that list of people. I just I would include uh, Enzo and Big Cass. Big Cass is the new TNA champion, <laughs> and Enzo's the hottest free agent because he's reincarnated. All right. He did uh, give speaking, us the line of consensual penis, though. So. Yeah. And speaking of grabbing your consensual penis, uh, it was leaked, and there will be some leakage here. Uh, that Alexa Bliss will take on Trish Stratus at Evolution. Uh, not sure if this was supposed to be <laughs> what they the this was news that was supposed to break at uh, at NXT Takeover, but it did. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I get the feeling, and Jeff, you can I don't know if you caught this live when it happened, or what if there was any context to it, or if it just randomly showed up on the screen. Um, yeah. Go ahead. No, no context whatsoever. Okay. It was just there. <laughs> And uh, my friend was like, oh, look, Trish Stratus and Alexa Bliss. And I was like, what? And I looked at the screen, it was just there. And I was like, is that is that a spoiler for tomorrow? I guess? Is that, was that she's not going to have the belt anymore? Like, <laughs> it was just, it was very, I, I, if they'd meant to do that, that was not not smart. No, and yeah. my, my guess is this was a big fuck up. Somebody in the graphics department probably lost their job. Um because there was no fucking angle, there was nothing given to set this match up. It's just it's there, um, you know. And given how great Alexa is on the mic, there's absolutely no way she couldn't have gone out and cut a promo and talked about how she was the greatest women's champion of all time. And then you know, giggling little Kim, boom, here comes Trish, and we set up the match. Uh, instead, we just got this, and I get the impression that it was just like because they then came back with the promo of Alexa versus Trish with Alexa holding the belt. So I think they absolutely spoiled it. They spoiled their match the following night, and I think they just got to a point where it's like, this is all over fucking Twitter. We can't no-sell it like it didn't happen, so let's just make the announcement on on .com. Um, But yeah, this this is a pretty big fuck-up for a company that usually tries to keep everything so fucking close to the vest. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, Another match itself, obviously, I'm looking forward to it. We're not sure... Um, you know, if Trish can still go, most likely she can. By the way, um, she's still in great did, did you catch on on Raw like Byron Saxton? Was it not Saxton? Um, the other one, um, Coachman. The the other black guy. <laughs> <laughs> the other the other <laughs> color commentator, Troy. Jesus. The other colored commentator. No, yeah. Color, color. Oh. oh. <laughs> okay. Um, but he went with. Uh, Trish Stratus steps back into the ring for the first time in seven years. Like, 
I, if I erase the Royal uh. Rumble from my memory? Mm-hmm. Yeah. God. I will. I will say Tricky this thing. though. I will say this might have had the line of the night when Cole. It's the boss and hug connection, and I think it was Coachman that was like, "Are we contractually obligated to yes. call them that?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It definitely. Uh, definitely crazy. playing up the fact that that is a terrible fucking name. <sighs> All right. Um, we got one. We got another thing that was announced for Hell in a Cell. As Miz and Maurice will take on Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella Bryan. Um, yep. <laughs> that was the reaction from the crowd as well. That that twenty five seconds of silence. That was the reaction to the crowd as well. The, here's the thing, though. It wasn't. Brie got a fucking pop, though. Yeah. Uh, she popped so, Miz right in the nose. <laughs> yeah, and she didn't hold back. Like that was fucking great. Uh, I thought the Miz and Maurice were fantastic, as they always are with a microphone in their hands. Uh, Maurice in more ways than one. Um, but this was <laughs> Daniel Bryan coming out and just repeatedly calling him a coward. And the whole segment was great. The fact that Bryan was going to go get him and he Miz hid behind Maurice, which of course prompted uh, Bree to come out. And you see Maurice take off, and you're like, okay, well, I guess Bree's not doing anything. And Bree's just like, fuck it, goes house on the Miz, beats the shit out of him. <laughs> the match is made. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this because, because, and I'm going to go on a limb here, this is going to lead to more Total Bella's Bullshit segments with the Miz dressed up as Daniel Bryan and Maurice <laughs> playing Bree Bella this time. Yeah. I am 100% done with that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, so yeah, we're going to get a mixed segment. match. That's the first match announced for Hell in a Cell, um, which of course is sponsored by WWE Champions. That's, that is the... That's sponsored Yep, that's, that's the level of sponsorship we have. Their own video games are sponsoring them now. Can you sponsor yourself? I guess you can if you're the WWE. Yeah, you can, yeah. We've, we've seen it before, actually, because they have done... There was a WWE Films, I think, was was one of the sponsors or one of their one of their garbage films they put out sponsored one of their own events. It was just like, okay, I guess. Does that company actually make money with their films? I doubt it. Well, I mean, I don't think they put much money into it, and I don't what think do they, they have, actually. How many Marines do they have now? I think seven. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a good number to have for a film. Yeah. At least it's not sponsored by Rocket League this time. It's true. That's true. Uh, so let's let's check what we got here. Um, are you, are you going to let Jeff give his insight on the Brie Bella Daniel Bryan? Marine sorry, there's, we're at Marine I, I Five. Think, yes, Marine Five. That's a good number. To, like I said, any movie that has something five after it is like mm-hmm. definitely a good movie. Um, Who was your no, favorite I, Marine? I guess is the the real question here. Was it John Cena, Ted DiBiase Jr. Oh, yeah, the Miz. Sure. Ted DiBiase Jr., of course. <laughs> <laughs> See, I um, thought Cena did great in that role. Well, he was the original, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that was probably the only time it was actually like a relevant movie. The hot blonde chick from Nip Tuck, I forget her name. Kimber? Yes. Uh, I don't I don't know what the actress's name is. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's why I called her the hot blonde chick from Nip Tuck. Thanks, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the, the Ms. Maurice, uh, Daniel and 
Brie Bella. Um, yeah, it, it should be. It's. I think it's a, a smart step forward in the feud. It doesn't give away, you know, the second match between just the two of them. Um, and the it's. You said it's a Hell in a Cell, right? I don't know. It's a the, Hell in a Cell match. It's going to be at the Hell in a Cell pay per view. Right. Right. That's that's what I meant. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I think that's smart. I think it's smart to keep this feud going. I think this is a nice, a logical step forward. There you go. I was Ke- not aware. Kelly Carlson kind of is her name, by the way. There you go. Nah, I like I like hot blonde chick better. Yeah. yeah. Well, you you can't search for naked pictures of her just by hot blonde chick. So. That's true. Oh, that's true. I mean, you can, but you'll get a lot of results that aren't her. What was it Kelly oh, Carlson? Kelly Carlson, yeah. All right, let's check this out. This is riveting. We have to put some elevator music in this segment of the show. Oh yeah, her. Yeah, I remember. How how is it that WWE wound up getting the rock back for another movie? Oh wait, never mind. They're just they're just they were just helping produce it. Never mind. Their next movie, The Marine Six, Close Quarters, will feature the Miz, Becky Lynch, and Shawn Michaels. Oh, yeah. How, how are there not a million pictures of this chick naked on the internet? I don't know. Was she of, ever? It's a bunch of fakes, but... Savannah yeah. Vega is in uh, Fighting With My Family? This girl's acting talent is not oh, such yeah. that she could be famous without being naked somewhere. <laughs> R-Truth is going to star in Blood Brother to, in 2018. What? It, what? The What's NXT guys are going to hate this segment. The film stars Trey Songs, <laughs> <laughs> Michael Finch, and Carl Gudgick, and will, of course, yep. feature our truth. Feature or star? Well, I guess feature, because Trey Songs is apparently the, the star. Trey Songs, by the way, does not do the music for the movie, though. That's some other guy. Our so. truth does? <laughs> I heard he Maybe. does music. There you go. It doesn't say anything about it. It's just an action thriller. Anyways, so let's get to our main... Oh, there we go. All right, well... Ah, <laughs> uh, those are fakes, huh? I think so. Yeah, it says fake Nuevo Porno. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I that's think that... Uh, I don't think she ever got naked. I think that Nip Tuck, they did everything possible to not show a nipple. Oh, maybe there's one. Yeah. There you go. Start your troopers, sh- too. I'm pretty sure that's not her taking a <laughs> dick in the mouth. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Frothy milk falling out of the thing. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. This is going off the rails. Anyways, while Jason cruises porn, uh, just just uh, a note to everyone. That looks home. like Christina I, Aguilera. I am not the person showing porn this week. It is Jason. Yeah, but we're not on YouTube anymore. That's the problem. So you did that shit when we were live on YouTube. That's true, I did. Nobody complained about it. All right, so if oh, shit, I just got like forty-five pop-ups. Uh-oh. 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 Oh no. Well, if the if uh, if Skype goes down and the recording is lost, you know it's your fault. <laughs> All right, that takes us to our main event of the Perfect Ten: is WWE's biggest rivalry between them and their fans. Recently, of course, we have seen WWE just disregard fan reaction in favor of promoting the guys that they want to promote. Um, they have. Other than Daniel Bryan being being the last person that we really saw get propelled up into a main event, been rolled thanks to the fans, it's really just been the guys that they want. Obviously, Roman Reigns continues to be on top, even though the fans continue to boo him, and they want Braun Strowman as a champion. 
Um, obviously, we've seen you know that they're just bad turns recently where we're not turning Roman Reigns, but we're going to turn Becky Lynch, even though she's the natural one to continue to be a face. So, um, does WWE hate their fans? I, I don't think it's a hate thing so much as it is just a completely dumb, dumb, deaf, dumb, and blind to what their fans are telling them. And maybe even more so than that, you know, we hear all the time that, uh, you know, WWE you know, listens to the fans and, and, makes, and, and that's completely untrue. Um, I think we've just reached a point where Vince has decided the things he wants to do, and it's his company, it's within his rights to do that. But it sometimes and often lately seems to fly in the face of what his viewing public wants. And it's sort of a dangerous precedent to operate that way in an era where there is so much wrestling available and so much good wrestling available. Uh, everyone's got a streaming service. There's so many super indies where you can see those dream matches that you want to see. Um, and if they've ever had them at PWG, for example, you can find them. Uh, you can go down and check out a Beyond show or a big-time wrestling show and see stars or former stars. There's just a little bit of everything everywhere. And when you, we talked earlier about Becky Lynch, was there ever a, a demonstration of someone being more blind and more just completely oblivious to what their fan base wants than that? Clearly, clearly they want Becky. Clearly, their fan, the fans are in Becky's corner. Clearly, Charlotte's the better heel and far more easily hateable. Hell, you can make a case that Charlotte is the female Roman Reigns, that no matter what she does, they push her. Now, she's excellent in the ring, and she's good on the microphone and, and all that, but at the same time, she's clearly not the person that the crowd wants to have at the top of that show. Um, add to that the fact that they had the opportunity. They had to have seen what happened at Brooklyn when they did that turn. And then they come back in the same building and have Becky go out and cut that promo that almost makes her look like an idiot because she's talking about how the fans don't appreciate her while they're cheering her wildly. You talked about Roman Reigns. We've talked about being completely oblivious to the... the how about the ultimate deletion? One of the greatest ratings Raw's had in quite a while for a segment. Haven't seen a fucking lick of it since. And it ended with them as a fucking team that no one cared about. We talked about the tag team wrestling. Comple completely oblivious to the responses people on his own company down in NXT are getting and what's getting them over down there. It's just they... they it's, yeah. it's Vince. Vince has his formula for what he sees, and he's not willing to listen to the crowd or the opinions of other people or explore. If Vince doesn't see it, Nothing else matters. And that is sort of the blessing and the curse of WWE is that it really is a monarchy. Yeah. I mean, I, I pretty much couldn't couldn't say it better if I had to try myself. But it's basically been, Vince has been doing it for however many years, and he thinks he knows best, and what he says goes. I mean, it, it couldn't be any more clear with the Becky Lynch situation. I 100% I agree. Yeah. And at this point, you know, we're not seeing any signs of, of any kind of change either, um, as evidenced by, you know, our most recent thing here, because the fans were fucking behind Finn Balor in that match. And it seemed like that they wanted him, you know, that they've been calling for Finn to do something for them, for them to give him something for a while now. And he just continues to be 
in a Baron Corbin feud or, or middling things. And you just have to wonder, like, what more do you have to do? I mean, that was that was a whole conversation with the brass ring is go out there and, and grab it. Well, when the fucking guy, Jesus Christ, what now, man? I can't even make a fucking point anymore. God. All right, whatever. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, you, you sit there and you try to tell your stars, oh, go out there and, and reach for that brass ring. Well, when they do, then you don't fucking reward oh, them. Come on, that's not so. even good. Sorry. Anyways, so... <laughs> no, you're 100% correct. You, you sit there and you play the brass ring gimmick, but then they go out and they grab the brass ring at a huge event, and their reward is to be forced into a heel turn that makes them look like an idiot because it's completely nonsensical. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I don't know at this point. I don't I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to do. Jesus, whatever. Uh... <laughs> Well, yeah, of course, you can find fucking fake Becky Lynch pictures, no problem, that's easy. Some of All them right. aren't bad. I mean. Some of them are was. awful. That was bad. All right, so I think that'll do it, and uh, we should move right along to uh, what's going around in the independent scene here. And, of course, Jason is up first, but he needs to quickly scramble to get back to the rundown sheet in order to read his what he actually has to read. I also have to pull my pants up. Ah, <laughs> UFO Wrestling goes back to where it all started as we present Big Bang 10 Thursday. That's tomorrow night, August 23rd at the Malden Irish American. Bell time is 7 p.m. In the main event, UFO Heavyweight Champion and Ring of Honor star, the Kingpin, Brian Malonis, defends his title against the returning masshole, Mike McCarthy. The cool people defend the UFO Tag Team Championships against the reuniting Red Carpet Club, Bo Douglas and Jason Rumble. Former Impact Wrestling star Robbie E goes one-on-one with the international male Aaron Amadeus. The selfie-made man Vern Vicalo takes on New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer Slick Wagner Brown. Also, there will be a special autograph session with former WCW Impact and WWE star Ernest the Cat Miller. Autographs 25, photographs 25, and combo package for 40. There's also a limited package deal for 50 that gives you everything, uh, plus a third row seat with a separate meet and greet prior to the show. Also scheduled to appear the Widow Belmont, Davy Ann, Adam Barrasano, the Murder Lodge, Dan Terry, the biggest of them all, Benny Jux, the prize, Alec Price, the professional Channing Thomas, and so much more. Tickets are $15 for ringside. General admission is 12 For more information, check out UFO Wrestling on Facebook to reserve your tickets. I wouldn't even bother reserving your tickets because the show's tomorrow night. I will be there, and I believe Sal from the show will also be in attendance, so come check it out. I'll be working the show, so I may or may not see you. But Sal will be ringside, so you should definitely go talk to him about how he is, uh, uh, what is it, two-pump chomp, 20-second man, two-second man, something like that? Uh, I call him a no-pump pants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Sal will be signing autographs, and he will actually pay you $5 to take them, so make sure to hit him up. <laughs> Which you could then use to help get an Ernest the Cat Miller autograph. Yeah. yeah. You might also have to switch cheese pants after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't shake his hand. Let's put it that way. Treat him like Randy Orton. Yes. Uh, finish it. <laughs> I'm done. Oh, okay. Um, special shout out to the Dark Prophet Orin Veet for surviving the Insane Eight and being the new ICW Alternative Champion. Uh, He's alive? We, uh, yep, we, we mourn the other seven competitors in that tournament. Anyways, on oh, Saturday... Crazy sub- hardcore tournament? Yes. <laughs> yep. Oh, it took place. Orin Veet won it. Did you go? Uh, no. I was, I was say, you're not covered in blood, so. No, that's true. I probably still wouldn't have washed out either. 
I was assuming that. that I bet you that room was, that room was as covered in blood as your room was in jizz when the page videos came out. I probably, <laughs> man. I assumed it looked like a Gallagher concert there. Uh, on <laughs> on Saturday, September first, Atlanta Pro Wrestling presents the Road to Royalty Tournament semifinals and finals. Bell time is six thirty. Reserve front row is fifteen dollars. Advanced general admission ten dollars. Twelve dollars at the door. Go to AtlanticProWrestling.com for more. The HBW Heavyweight Championship will be on the line as the biggest of them all. Benny Jux takes on Dynamite Danny Miles. That would be Danny Dynamite. Dynamite. What I call Dynamite? Dynamite, yeah. Dynamite. I, I enjoy Dynamite. Yeah, Dynamite, Dynamite Dyna, Miles. There we go. Uh, Road to Royalty Tournament Semifinals will be a double elimination. Uh, the competitors are Stiff Mike, the Margarisi, Mass Appeal Travis Gillette, 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 Bitter Buddy Romano, and, of course, the rest of the show will round out with a triple threat match for the APW New England Championship as Perfect Dan Terry takes on the selfie-made man burned by Callow and Robo the Punjabi Lion. The Wood of Belmont takes on Vanity Vixen and Powball River Cup champion winner, River, River Cup winner Bugsy Stone takes on oh, Jesus Clipper City Cup winner Fabulous Johnny Vegas with the winner receiving the APW New England uh, Championship Cup. The APW takes... This is why I should do the reads for the promotions I work for, Troy. Oh, it's more fun this way. <laughs> uh, the APW Take Team titles will be on the line when the anti-Americans Sheik Abdullah Hassan and the Canadian legend Matt Loudon defend against the team of Beta Ro Omega, Connor Davies, and Channing Thomas. All this and more September 1st at APW. Check out AtlanticProWrestling.com or Atlantic Pro Wrestling on Facebook for more info. It's the newly redesigned AtlanticProWrestling.com where you can actually find the feed to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast because they put us over. Nice. It's the beauty of working for the promotion. That we put anyway. over on the show. Anyway. <laughs> I hear their commissioner sound like a horse, too. Anyway. Ooh. So go check that out. But he does have but he does have Down syndrome, so. I wear tight jeans. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm smuggling sausages. Uh, uh, our, season be- <laughs> our season begins anew as Liberty States Wrestling returns to the John E. McCarthy Elementary School on... I don't mean R, because I don't work for this one. Uh, elementary School on Saturday, September 15th. Already confirmed, a match for the vacant Liberty States Wrestling Tag Titles as the main state posse, Danger Kid and Aiden Agro, take on former champions, fabulously unequaled Johnny Vegas and Todd Sobel. Also, Liberty States heavyweight champion Vern Vicalo issues an open challenge because there are no belts in New England that Vern Vicalo does not or has not held. Also appearing, Seth Rin, Vanity Vixen, Brett Domino, Dan Terry, and many, many more. Stores Doors open at 6.30. <laughs> Stores might open then, too. Bell time yeah. is 7 p.m. Tickets are just $10 at the store. Yeah, it's um, funny. Every time I heard Todd Sopel, I always wondered how it was spelled. Now I see. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Troy Speaking has his piece. own take on it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that piece of shit, Dan Todd Sopel, Elk Mania Productions returns to the Beverly Salem's Elks Lodge on Saturday, September 22nd, as we go all in with Aces Wild. Elks on fire. Doesn't even make sense. This event is a fundraiser for the Children's Miracle Network with support from Extra Life, which unites video game players from around the world to support their local children's wait, wait, hospital. If not making sense is a fucking, if making sense is a prerequisite for this fucking show, I better leave. There you go. Aces Wild will host a double main event for professional wrestling action. Insane Dick in the Lane will defend the All-Star Championship against former TNA Impact Wrestling Superstar. (laughs) Robbie E. Derek Simonetti will defend the Bay State Championship against the 2018 North Shore Rumble winner, The Brute, Kevin Giles, with Mr. Chad Epic. The Alley Cats' Delilah Hayden will take on the Suplex Sweetheart, Isana. 
The New England Tag Team Championship will be on the line as the Middlesex Express, the ace, Mike Montero, and more. What? Are scheduled to appear. <laughs> There's nothing about them being on the line. The New England Tag Team Champions, Sorry. the Middlesex Express, Express, the ace, Mike ace. Montero, and more, scheduled to appear in Beverly on uh, on September 22nd. Tickets, reserved front row, $50, available at squareup.com slash store slash elkmania dash productions. Dot HTML slash GPT. Jesus Christ, Adam, with the fucking web addresses. Seriously, the yeah. fucking URLs, Adam. Tighten your shit up, dude. Advanced general mission is $10. General mission at the door is $12. Nobody, $10. nobody types HTTPS colon slash slash. Like, it's fucking yeah. understood. Just start. Yeah. Adam, because I know you're listening to this shit. We're going to have a moment right here, you and me. Just fucking put it as squareup.com. The rest is fucking extraneous, too, but slash store slash Elkmania dash productions. And they need to tighten their shit up because there's nobody that's going to fucking listen to this and remember that whole fucking URL and type that shit in. But they certainly don't need you to fucking tell them HTTPS colon slash slash because you know why? You know why? Because every fucking browser in the world puts that in automatically. I'm just the guest here, guys. Uh, if you just go to squareup.com, you're going to have a hard time finding that. So you are going to need to remember that entire thing. Squareup.com slash store slash Elkmania dash productions dash tickets dash four dash R dash latest dash event. $10 advanced general mission tickets on sale at Silver Moon Comics in Salem and Paper Asylum in Beverly, Mass. Oh... Thankfully, that does it for the rundown for this Thursday, August 23rd, 2018. It has been an entire month since I had anything to put in this section, and the joke is probably going to die pretty soon. And it will probably be one week till Jeff's like, fuck these guys, I'm done. we are overestimating. Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Podcast. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rundown Wrestling. Email the show via rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 617-863-6967 at 61rundown7. We are on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. See, I just put Rundown Wrestling when I made that URL. I didn't put rundown-wrestling-give-us-money. Uh <laughs> Listen to our friends at Kingpin Brian Malonis and Mike Crockett on the wrestling podcast about nothing. Surprisingly, their website is thewpan.com. <laughs> or you could go to facebook.com slash thewpan. Check out our friend Justin Michaels on the show your son Waltz on Tough TV. Go to toughtv.com to stream it live. Stay tuned to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast to hear our other shows, NXT Revisited, The Rundown Sit-Down, WrestleMania Salvation, Glow Stick, which just dropped an episode yesterday, and the Nitromania Podcast, which dropped an episode Monday. You can follow us on Twitter. At Jay Stewart0920, at Rockstar Troy, at The Salvation Sucks Effect, at Nitromania Pod, at Something to WrestleMania Salvation with, <laughs> at Johnny Analog, and you can follow our new host, Jeff, at Mother Mayhew. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Jason this week. And thanks to Troy's microphone for not dying this week. There you go. I figured things out. And thanks to Jeff for joining us for his first ever episode. And probably Thanks, his guys. last. I had a blast. <laughs> no, I had a blast. I mean, but probably is my last episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next next week, we have less hosts. <laughs> I, I, by the way, I quit. I'm handing over to Jeff now. There you go. Well, <laughs> I quit, too. So. <laughs> it's just going to be no. you, buddy. <laughs> Woo. Oh, next boy. Week, next week, tune in for Jeff and uh, Jeff and uh, Sal. Sal, yeah. Yeah. Sal, Sal will come on every week. Ravaged. Jeff and Coco Sean.
<laughs> Jeff and Josh. That's a that's a podcast right there. Ooh, good God. <laughs> Could you get negative views and negative <laughs> listens? I think that's what would happen. I'm pretty sure most of our listens are pretty negative. That's true. Yeah, pretty sure. Pretty sure one of the whole. I think pretty sure that that episode would end in a murder suicide. Figure out which one would happen yeah. first. Don't joke about suicide, Troy. Don't joke about suicide. Anyways, that does it <laughs> for the Rundown Hosting Podcast. I would like to say we went off the rails, but I'm not sure we ever were on the rails. I don't think we ever. That's true. I don't think I helped in that endeavor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jason. Yes. Oh, so I, I guess you're saying that, that, that we'll see you next Thursday. Bye-bye. All right, so this is the part I have to read the postscript. So you can actually stop your your recording there, Jeff, and you can start exporting, because then I just need to have everyone else be quiet while I read this dumb fucking that Adam put on here. The Road of Wrestling Podcast was created and subsequently repeats to us following the untimely death of Adam Sazer and is produced and edited by Jason Stewart. This episode was hosted by me, Troy Bozen, Jason Stewart, and Jeff Mayhew. We are a member of the Questionable Dever Network. Check out all of our other podcast shows on questionnetwork.com and tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. And yes, my cat just uh, turned on one of my child's toys. <laughs> I thought somebody started watching fucking anime or something. <laughs> nope. Jesus, that is Sal's fucking... Right? <laughs>